The Pit and the Pendulum. It's my favorite Poe story. It's the most suspenseful one I think he ever wrote. And uh, it came to mind when I was visiting London for the very first time. Uh, went to the Tower of London and saw these torture chambers and these cells that people were kept in. And realization kind of hit me that the things that people do to each other is far worse than any horror movie you know, could come up with. It's hard for me to imagine anyone but Lance Henriksen playing Torquemada. Well, Lance is a method actor, and he had done a lot of reading about Torquemada who he discovered was an ascetic, which meant that he would only drink water and eat bread, sleep on the floor, and he would walk around barefoot. So Lance did all these things. But when he came on the set, it was not Lance Hendrickson that was there, it was Torquemada, and everybody was scared to death of him. I remember at one point, one of the um, focus pullers blew one of the takes and fell on his knees begging forgiveness from Lance. The story of Oliver Reed on Pit and the Pendulum is uh, hilarious. We got a call from the castle. Uh, Oliver Reed is here, and he's asked that every bottle of wine in the castle be put on the big banquet table. And we got there and found Oliver Reed sitting at this huge table with literally 100 bottles of wine on it. And uh, he was so so loaded that he couldn't get up to go to the bathroom. You know, So he would, when he had to pee, he would just grab one of the empty bottles and piss into it. Lance, who had been, as I said, drinking nothing but water, decided that he was going to have some wine and, and he and Oliver Reed almost got, in, got into a drinking contest. And within about an hour, Lance was on the floor unconscious. And, and all weekend long, he just drank and drank and drank. And I was going, I was drinking. Monday, I'm going, what's going to be happening on Monday? So Monday morning, I come down to the set. It's like 7 a.m. And I say, is Oliver Reed here? And he says, yeah, he's already, he's all set to go. He's in costume, he's in makeup. And I walk in and there's Oliver Reed completely sober. The sense of him was that, uh, you know, the weekends are my time. You know, Monday is your time and I'll, I'll be ready and professional. And it was, you know, just great working with him. I was sitting with him in front of the fireplace at the castle, which is this enormous fireplace. It looks like the one at Citizen Kane. And uh, he started um, reciting. Lord Byron to me. He had never never been on stage in his life. It's kind of a shame because he just, I, I've never heard anything so beautiful as, uh, as Oliver Reed reciting Byron. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Cinema Psyops. My personal view is that it's nauseating, disgusting, degrading, ghastly, sleazy, truly unrealistic, and generally nauseating. They are unbelievably nauseating. They are the antithesis of humankind. I regard them as disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing, to my mind, enduring, decent, or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. I would like to see somebody dig a very, very large, exceedingly deep hole and drop the whole bloody lot down it. You know, I think uh, the whole world would be vastly improved by their total and utter non-existence. Cinema Psyops with Hort and Matt. Hello and welcome to the Inquisitional episode of Cinema PsyOps. Joining me in the studio is my own personal Oliver Reed, minus all of that professional, good-looking, talented baggage. It's Matt. Witch! Witch! <laughs> 
witch. Which witch? Witchcraft. Which witch? Wh- that, oh, which witch? Let's turn the page on the witch and let's talk to Christopher Page. How's it going, buddy? Hey, guys. Excellent. Nice to be back. Yeah, man. It's been way too goddamn long. Oh, it's uh, at least over a year, I think, I'm sure. Oh, it's been more than that because we've been on the air for three years and you were probably at like middle part of our first year. If you were like, was the, it that? Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. you were our first uh, bring your own cinematic trauma victim, if I, I believe so. Because it's been so long, you get double the lashings. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah the S and M kink discussions will be big on this episode. Yeah, right. Oh hey, yeah. Bring out the gimp. Coincidentally, my safe word is "there's no god" this week. <laughs> so when you're trying to convert uh, me to Christianity, more, that's gonna get you more. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like hail Satan. There is no god. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, really? I thought you were just going to scream Bobby over and over and over again. Dude, that's, sure have another. <laughs> Dude, that's what between you and me. Oh, You're I'm not sorry, supposed I'm to sorry. tell that to the I'm audience. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's what you call me, Daddy. <laughs> oh, I've got daddy issues, all right. But you do kind of remind me of my father, so that works out. <laughs> We're not here to talk about our weird sexual proclivities. We're here to talk with Christopher. We kind of do that, but yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, really, really, Christopher. (laughs) Well, we could sexually harass you, Christopher, like we do all of our other guests, but we feel like that would make you uncomfortable and create a hostile work environment. And our HR is already overbooked on this show. They really are. (laughs) Oh, I bet. And believe it or not, I found it unbelievable. We do have an HR department. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, Debbie is a straight bitch. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, but it's a, does she have a nice ass? Whoa! HR flag! HR flag! That's a violation. Look at my hands! My hands are up in the air. I didn't do anything. Wait, let me check the handbook here. Oh, oh, wait! Stay place for perverts, Christopher. You are fine to ask that. Oh, as all a right, matter of fact, yes, she does. Yes, <laughs> fine ass. But why is it always the bitches who have a fine ass? Because they work at it. Yeah, because they hate themselves as much as they hate everyone else. She's not as bad as pegging accounting, though. <laughs> we have an accounting department. Yeah. Why am I paying all of these people? No. No man. wonder I'm so much in debt. Dude, I literally took a left off the elevator, and it was a whole office row of cubicles and people walking around in business casual. I'm gonna Westworld that shit with my robots. You really should, dude. I mean, it's really insane. Have you ever seen anything so full of splendor as the slaughter of mass amounts of people? They were yelling at me about an Excel spreadsheet I didn't turn in. I didn't even know anything about it. Well, that's because you keep fucking up your TPS reports. Oh, fucking Jesus. I'll take the blame on this. This is me, Christopher. I've dubbed you the time-shifting orphan when I was referring to you that this is going to be your guest <laughs> appearance. And I kind of <laughs> like that nickname and I really want it to stick. I hope you like it. I do. I like it. That's pretty cool. That, that I think that fits pretty well. Yeah, because that covers both of your shows. Absolutely. So you got Time Shifters and Orphan Entertainment. Now, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Time Shifters come first and then you kind of retired it for a little while or put it away and then you brought it back? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that one that one's got a long and storied history. <laughs> that goes back to the early days, the first days of me doing any podcasting because it was a, it was a show that didn't even really have a name. It was just sort of a podcast that was tied into a website that I was managing. Then we finally thought of a name, which was Time Shifters, and it ran for a few years under that name and then yes it faded and then I uh, I brought it back. So you could say that it kind of shifted out of time for a while and then it shifted back and now it's back a, in time. A little you you could say that. <laughs> I wouldn't but you could. Let's yeah. get back to the future. <laughs> you know what I really want to see now? What? I want to see some Doctor Who memes with Christopher on them. Oh. So our very faithful and wonderful alternative photographers out there in Cinema PsyOps land, can you do this? Could you want to pick a specific doctor you'd like to see your head put on Christopher? Oh. 
oh, oh, you want? I should be put on a doctor. Okay, I, I, I had images of Zoe in her little sparkly spandex suit, but okay, don't, sure. Don't ask that because they will do <laughs> that do to that you. Shit. They will do that, that to shit, you. No, guess what? It was already done. Yeah, and we just mentioned it. This show hasn't even been released yet. They just did it. I mean, all I have to say is, wouldn't it be awesome to see Matt's head on a canine? You know, from Doctor Who, and it's gonna happen. Yeah, it will. Sure. That will happen. Yeah, just because it would be like, hey, can we see Court's head on Rose's body, please? And then DM that for me, please. <laughs> that would actually kind of sexy. <laughs> I know, right? Because at least gets rid of that buck tooth problem that Billy Piper oh, has. God, yeah. You know what she looks like to me? I'm just gonna fucking Bunch say. Bunny. Well, besides that, uh-huh. okay, Gremlins do the yeah. new batch. Yeah. yeah. The female Gremlin? No, oh. Lenny, the buck tooth one. Yes. <laughs> Lenny and the female gremlin had a kid. It's, it's Billy Piper. It's Billy Piper. As a matter of fact, instead of my head, I want to see the Le- the Lenny Bucktooth, uh, or not Lenny, but the Bucktooth gremlin from Gremlins Two that, that on Rose's head. Yeah, that was working the microwave. I want to see that as Rose's head on then Rose's we'll body. Put your head on the tenth Doctor's body because you have a giant head and that skinny little toothpick body would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would fit better on a Santaran, actually. You would, but that's why we can't put you on there. It's funnier when it doesn't separate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so did you pick a doctor, Christopher, or are you going to go with uh, the sexy I, lady body? You know, if anybody comes up with anything, I'm happy. I'm a fan of all the doctors. You know, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, actually, so I'm, I'm pretty good with any of them. I will take they Tom can, Baker any day. I will take a Tom Baker go. any day. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, not bad. <laughs> you never forget I, your first. Yeah, yeah, it'd have to be um, the sixth doctor for me. Uh, oh, McCoy? Uh, Ma- no, not McCoy. McCoy no. was seven. Oh. Colin? Colin? Colin Baker. Colin, Colin ba- Really? Colin Baker. Baker. Yeah, he's, that was my first doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was he, the first one he, I ever saw. Yeah, he saved itself with the audio. Uh. <laughs> That's what I keep hearing. I, I'm just yeah. going off. If you go off your first doctor, it's the first one I ever saw. Oh, that's, that's the first one I can remember. Uh, Tom Baker was my my first doctor, but I was a real big fan of uh, Peter Davison, who came right after him. And then once I started going back and watching the really old ones, it was Patrick Troughton all the way. Second doctor. Loved oh, him. Yeah. Loved Jamie and Zoe. You know, the best TARDIS team right there. So those are mine. And of course, that's the one that has the fewest episodes, but and maybe that's why I like them so much, is because there's just those few, but they're all, they're like the good ones. Didn't give it time to, like, ruin itself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, if you guys are liking this discussion where we're kind of geeking out over various parts of Doctor Who and time travel and all of that, boom, that's Time Shifters right there for you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> You're gonna yes. give me a little Time shifter, give you a taste. Little taste. That's it. <laughs> now, as far as orphaned entertainment goes, we're gonna have to start talking about royalty-free and public domain movies. Yes. To kind of shift over to that. Oh, I thought we were gonna yep. talk about you know, kids with no parents or who are wanted. That's the entertainment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They don't have parents anymore because they're public domain. <laughs> no one cares about them because they don't have parents. No, people care about them. There's no, they plenty don't. of Night of the Living Dead is technically a public domain film. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh you mean the movies? I was I was actually talking about actual orphans. Oh, yeah, nobody cares about yeah, actual orphans. Nobody cares orphans. about actual orphans. Especially orphans. here in America. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> Maybe the Catholic Church, but that's only so priests don't run out of stuff. No, no, no. They only bang. care about them until they come out of the vagina. After they're out, they don't care about them they're anymore. They're on their own? Yeah. They mother Teresa of them if you oh, catch my drift. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So are you ever gonna get a chance to watch what did you call it, Matt? Giggly's Island? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, Giggly's Island. A return to Gilligan's Island yes. or whatever it is. Yeah. You no, know, I, I think because it's just kind of become that little joke in our promo, I don't think we'll ever cover that. Dude, I Although feel bad for you. Every time I listen to it, I always feel bad. You're gonna feel bad later yeah. then. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> well, I honestly actually reached out to Don Wells to see if she would want a guest or at least wow. do an 
interview or something. She gave me an email to contact her agent, and I, I, I just never really got around to it. Because actually, after I watched The uh, Rescue from Gilligan's Island, it's not that good of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> is that the one where they come back for a little bit and decides the real world has passed them by, and then they just kind of well, head they, right back? They discover that the world has passed them by, yeah. but then they go out on the uh, Minnow 2 and, of course, get stuck in another storm and find themselves back on the island. Of course, because that's how yeah. it always works. Yes. <laughs> we kind of talked about it. Now, where do they find Time Shifters and where do they find Orphaned Entertainment? Okay, super easy. Uh, go to timeshifterspodcast.com for Time Shifters and then uh, orphanentertainment.com is where you can find Orphan Entertainment. Uh, Time Shifters, just to clarify, I mean, it isn't really all sci-fi and Doctor Who. Uh, my co-host Matt and I, we talk about just about everything. Uh, we often kind of pick a topic and then kind of go into a couple films based on that topic to fill out a few episodes. We just did a couple some comedies. We did Planes, Trains, and Automobiles recently. We did uh, Clue and Murder by Death. Uh, we've gone back. We did we did do some time travel because that's just a thing we both really enjoy. So it's a little bit of everything. And of course, we throw in a lot of news, but we uh, re-record like two weeks before the episode actually airs. So we definitely time shift because <laughs> what we're talking about, what we're talking about is usually two weeks old, about a month old by the time you actually hear it. So <laughs> I do like the fact that you guys just pick a topic for one episode and then that entire episode is basically that topic, maybe with a little bit of news mixed in or whatever, what have you, uh, Exactly, as, as you just described. And one of my personal favorites was when you guys were kind of doing the list that you guys do because mm-hmm. your co-host and yourself have very different tastes, although some of it does kind of overlap. And I like the debate where you're like, really, you didn't like that movie? Especially when yeah. you guys are talking and like one hasn't seen that the other one has suggested. So you'll just go ahead and check out that movie based on the other one's uh, recommendation. And then usually it, it ends up bad for you guys because the other one didn't like it. <laughs> That's one of my favorite so, things about Time Shifters. Yeah. And so far, we've been pretty good that we've at least enjoyed the films that we've picked. Uh, this last film that will be coming out, it'll be out by the time anybody hears this. I We needed just sort of like a plan B kind of thing for an episode because we had some plans that needed to postpone for a couple weeks. And so I, I asked him to watch Cave of the Living Dead, which is a mid-60s German film. It's sort of a Euro spy slash Euro horror film. They talked about it over on Monster Kid Radio. And it got me interested. So I watched it and I freaking loved it. But like, I, I want to know what Matt thinks of this. Matt didn't have as fun experience as I did. <laughs> he, he had a good time, but for but for completely different reasons. <laughs> so this might be the first actual argument between you and your Matt then. I, I won't say any arguments, but he thought the film just pretty much begged for uh, riff tracks or something. Oh, well, there's or, been plenty of stuff that we've covered that we've both agreed oh, on that. Sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with Orphan Entertainment, like you had mentioned, it is public domain and what I consider abandoned media, which is maybe there's a copyright somewhere somebody has, but they don't seem to care. <laughs> I, I do as much research as I can to explore and see if it truly is in public domain. And if I find many people that claim it is, and I'll say, okay, then, I, then it must be. Because I unfortunately don't have the finances to actually hire someone to dig through copyright law and uh, to, to really, truly get the definitive. And copyright law is weird. So even though it is in claimed, quote unquote, public domain, it may not be, not technically, but no one cares. So 
yeah, those are the films we cover. And Lydia and I have an absolute ball. And it is literally really finding, you know, diamonds in a rough. We have a lot of fun with that one. And and oddly enough, uh, the episodes coming up is actually going to be the one where she really, truly enjoyed the film. And I thought it was just OK, which was the, the, the biggest difference we've had so far in all over six years of recording. So. <laughs> yeah, you guys line up a little too well. You guys play way too nice on that show sometimes, I think. Yeah, well, I tell you what, some of these films are just so enjoyable to watch and we're just kind of amazed at how much things have not changed. You know, you, you think everything is new until you watch a film that was made 80 years ago and the topics and the themes and it's it's all the same stuff and that that's, makes it a lot of fun. And it's also just has to be buried unless you're super pre-code. They have to hide what they're trying to do. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, the pre-codes are definitely a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. The other thing I wanted to mention that I really enjoyed in Orphan Entertainment is the, I can't remember the amount of time it is that's in the title, but the little mystery things that are on the radio. Is it? Oh, yes. The is, five minute mysteries. Five minute mysteries is what it is where you, you put that in the episode to kind of give an idea of the kind of entertainment that you can get your hands on when you're looking for this kind of stuff. And they're all it, super fun. And the way that they wrap it up in the little mystery stuff, is it's just really kind of quaint I, I, for a lack of a yeah. better term. <laughs> no, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's well, fantastic. You know, that was a happy accident. I just stumbled across them and there are there were just dozens and dozens of these things. I'm thinking, I'm going to go ahead and start throwing these in the episodes because they're, they're, they're just a few minutes long. They're perfect. There's a great, you know, there's like a two part where the, there's the setup and then, you know, how did Detective so-and-so figure out that Bob's the killer? We'll find out. But first, and that makes just a perfect place to put in an ad and it was just, it's just couldn't work out better and I, I enjoy listening to them and everyone seems to really like them. Yeah, it's a great find and I think it really kind of, I don't want to use this phrase, pads out the episode, but I think it kind of rounds it out nicely. It gives you a good break segment that you can do. Like we like to use music that I try to fit into the theme of kind of what's going on in the movies that we're covering. Uh, These five minute mysteries work really, really well. And I think that's a great way to round out the episode. I've loved those since you started adding them. And of course, uh, if you need to kind of do other episodes before when uh, basically you and Lydia can't get to record, but you want to put something out, I really enjoy it whenever you guys put the (laughs) the serial mysteries on there where you'll do a couple of those that are a little bit longer form. But I think those kind of, you know, unless you're apt to enjoy that kind of thing, I think the time that they take is just, it might wear on some listeners a little bit more than the five minute mysteries do. The five minutes are just perfect. Yep. Yeah, exactly. No, those, what I'll do is I'll throw some radio shows. I'll find they're usually 15 to a half an hour to pay in on the show. And that is uh, literally just life gets in the way and Lydia and I just can't get together to do a recording or to watch the film in time. And that's, yeah, time to take a break. And so we'll take a month off and I'll just dig around and find some decent radio shows and throw them just to, just to have something in the feed. And I know, yeah, like you said, they're not for everybody. I try to find something that's fun or, or interesting, uh, but uh, yeah, not for everybody, but it, it, they can be a good time. And, you know, maybe if uh, you don't know that radio program is your thing, you might listen to them and kind of want to go digging a little bit. Cause I tell you, that's how it kind of, how it happened to me. I stumbled across some of these old radio programs. I think it was playing late at night on some radio station here in town. And it's like, man, that was really good. It was probably like an X minus one or something like that. It's all about uh, discovery. You know, uh, we hope that people discover these films for the first time because most of them haven't been seen by almost anybody unless you're some sort of film historian. And the same with the radio programs. You probably didn't hear any of these. And so we get a chance to put them down and, you know, maybe it's only a a couple hundred listeners or something like that. But, you know, hey, it's what keeps this stuff alive. Not too far in the distant future, we're looking to have a bunch of stuff actually fall into public domain because of languishing copyright 
credits in film and music. So you probably have your eyeball on that in the horizon, huh? Absolutely. It's going to be uh, most of it is uh, kind of films out of the silent era, but uh, that we've kind of uh, toyed with and experimented with doing commentary uh, for the holidays. This past Christmas, we did a couple commentaries on the Christmas Carol, uh, two, two different versions of the Christmas Carol. So, uh, yeah, the more silent films that fall in the public domain, uh, yeah, we may indeed uh, maybe do some more commentaries. Awesome. Yeah, a commentary on a silent film works perfectly because you are literally interrupting nothing. They can still exactly. read what's going on. I, I think that's a really good idea. Matter of fact, exactly. I like it so much, I'm going to steal it. Who wants to fucking read, though, man? <laughs> People who can read, Matt. Fucking elitist. <laughs> Maybe we'll narrate it for you, too. Sure. You're all part of that 1%. There's more than 1% of the population that can read. Yeah? Really? Yeah. How do you explain Trump being our president? <laughs> they didn't vote this time around. <laughs> they thought it was in the bag. They got complacent. While I try to come to terms with that reality and how depressing it is, why don't we take a little break here? We're going to play a promo from one of Christopher's great podcasts. We'll have a little bit of music that fits this film. And when we come back, we will be talking about Stuart Gordon's The Pit and the Pendulum. Hello, Christopher. What insanity are you up to today? Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies. What? People are always telling me that's illegal. Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Well, let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org. Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials, radio shows, and books available. Yeah, but there are so many. I wish there was a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher, there is. We do one. <laughs> oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. Once a month, we pick something and review and discuss it. That sure is nice of us. <laughs> sure. Why don't you click over to Orphan Entertainment and remind yourself a little more about the show. Oh, will do. Let's see, that's at orphanentertainment.com. And yeah, it looks like we're available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Oh, hey, can we review the Gilligan's Island movie someday? Mm-hmm. We'll see, Christopher. We'll see. Choices always were a problem. For you, what you need is someone strong to guide you.
I'm a little soapboxy here, but if you think about what happens in the movie, that fits perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> but just careful with the height of that soapbox. You'll fall. Actually, I'm going to have to do the entire show on the soapbox. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, well. You're going to get all fucking preachy. Yeah. What do you expect from me? That uh, We're dealing with something that, you know, they're going to be proselytizing in one direction, and i got to go the other way just to balance it out. Oh. Matt, just be glad there aren't any police officers in this one. Oh, right? <laughs> Holy Jesus. Can you imagine if it was like a really heavy Catholic cop movie? Yeah. <laughs> where, exactly. he was, where he was killing people on the streets for breaking commandments. Oh, yeah, church cop. <laughs> oh, that's an alternative photography uh, I have to see. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, since the ramp is kind of a little in disrepair, I'm going to have to climb the ladder and I'm going to have to grab my mic and he's head on get, up there. He's going to get it winded. Yeah, I'm going to need a little bit of time to do that. So <laughs> while I'm climbing up to the top of the soapbox, we're going to listen to this trailer. The Spanish Inquisition, a time when religion was fear. There is one faith, and all else is sin. Innocence meant death, and love was lust. The master of this madness was Chief Inquisitor Torquemada. Some souls have turned so far from God that pain is the only way to call them back. She was an angel of light. Death! Have mercy! No! Who would tear his world of torture apart. In Christ's name, I beg you. Have mercy! Arrest her. Maria is like an angel. Satan was an angel. Take me into the castle. And direct me to the dungeon where they keep the women accused of being witches. You will love me. Let down where he dies. Don't help me! Now, from mankind's darkest age, comes evil's ultimate weapon. Luga, razor sharp. The pit and the pendulum. Stuart Gordon, the director of Reanimator, and Edgar Allan Poe, author of The Raven, create a new vision of classic terror, The Pit and the Pendulum, starring Lance Henriksen from Aliens and Near Dark, Jeffrey Combs of Reanimator, and The Devil's Oliver Reed. The Pit and the Pendulum, it's a slice of history. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> wow, I totally did not expect that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Duh. <laughs> yeah. That's what's going on here. We're talking 1642. Yeah. You know, it's the Spanish Inquisition. I love that trailer, how they make it sound like Stuart and Gordon and Ed Grather and Poe were like working side by side. <laughs> <laughs> you mean they weren't? I thought he was channeling him through like a spirit board or something like that. All right, before we dig in too awful deep, we need to point out this is a full moon movie. And as far as I'm concerned, now, Christopher, you can disagree with me on this if you want. This may be the finest production full moon ever put out. Ooh, those are oh, those are mighty big words. <laughs> well, off the top of your head, can you think of one that you feel might have been a better film? Um, if you're actually talking truly full moon films, probably not. There might be some arguments if you want to go back in time a little bit to when it was Empire Pictures. Right. Uh, I might be willing to argue Trancers Ooh. was a uh, kind of near kind of kind of fighting its way to the top there. But if we're going to do Empire Pictures, then we're talking Reanimator and a lot of 
other stuff because Charles yeah, Band is exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that's right. Forgot. Didn't they have their hands in From Beyond as well? Didn't wasn't Empire part of From Beyond? Because that's an amazing film too. I want to say it was because that was also um, Jeffrey Combs, wasn't it? He was yeah. in, involved in that, and wasn't that also Stuart Gordon? Yes, it was. I think that was yeah. his follow up after Reanimator. I think they did that yep. next, and I think even Brian Yunzana was still involved before those two kind of split ways and did different films. So that's the thing I love about Stuart Gordon, though. He tends to keep the same people around him in a lot of his films, so you kind of know what you're going to get from a Stuart Gordon film. And usually it involves Jeffrey Combs either abusing or being abused by somebody. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. No, I did notice if you go to like IMDb and look at Stuart Gordon and you click on any one of his films, you'd think the page didn't refresh. (laughs) It all looks the same. Yeah, because of all the actors are, you know, they just kind of find different roles or he works his way in there. And crew. I mean, he worked with a lot of the same crew. He just kind of dragged them all along. Well, it's kind of a sign of, uh, I hate to use the term because it sounds so like I'm sniffing my own farts here, but a tour director is the kind that get a crew that they work with and they know really, really well and the crew likes them and they like to work with them. You create that kind of environment and a kind of a family builds, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I think it it helps with the, what you know what kind of quality of a picture you can make. I mean, you know when you can push and when you have to hold back because you know what your crew can provide you and, you know, your crew is going to keep trying to give you the best that they possibly can. So it's a fantastic way to work. I think the main thing that we can definitely take away from this little discussion of Empire Pictures moving into Full Moon is whenever Charles Band gives money to Stuart Gordon, he gets a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So let's dig into this. Our number six into this review. We're getting into the review. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it tends to be where we're going now, but there's a lot of stuff to talk about both in and out of the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we spent a half an hour talking about me, so I'm fine. (laughs) I could spend all night talking about you, big guy. I really could, too. Settle down, settle down. You are our only time-shifting orphan. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Swoon. (laughs) So the movie opens on a tomb being opened with a very old and very rotten corpse. All right, sexy. Yeah. Now you're talking my language, Already opened up. I was like, wow, court finally greenlit that porno. All right, then. (laughs) (laughs) Bow, chicka, bow, wow. (laughs) And then we see Duffy from RoboCop 2. That's a deep reference there for you. That's a deep reference, dude. That's a deep fried reference. By the way, that is the only thing I refer to him as. I didn't bother learning the character name. He's Duffy from RoboCop 2. (laughs) There you go. If you want his actual name, I have it. Oh, that's okay. No, Duffy from RoboCop 2 definitely sounds better. Yeah. And Don Hector from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Jesus. Uh, okay, I'm a little lost now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the main two lackey guys. The first one that usually hauls out the bodies and is the goofy comedian dude that's a little more hefty. And then okay. the guy who calls Lance Hendrickson savior all the time. Okay, so we're talking Stephen Lee, right, is Gomez. Yeah, I believe and so. Mark, yes. uh, who was that? Mark Margolis is Mendoza? Yes. Margolis, I think. You are yeah. exactly yeah. right. Mr. Mendoza. Mr. All right, Mr. All right yes, so everybody sir. at home, here's your key, because from here on out, that's how I'm referring to them as Duffy from RoboCop 2 and Don Hector. That's Sorry, right. Just so I, I just so I know who you're talking about. Because <laughs> eventually I'm just going to start calling Jeffrey Combs the question. So <laughs> fair enough. Oh. He is the voice of the question. Yes. So. All right. So they drag the corpse on out of the tomb and hoist it up. And because Lance Hendrickson is delivering religious fervor speech, of course, that's going to be our very first clip. Satan is ever present among us. Every sin and deed, word or thought, no matter how long forgotten. 
must be truly confessed and punished. Don Afonso de Albert Molina. The Holy Inquisition finds you guilty of heresy. No! And you and your descendants must be cleansed in blood. Don Alfonso de Alba Molina, by the taint of impurity in your blood, your wealth and the wealth of your heirs is forfeit to the church. <laughs> and you are sentenced to 20 lashes. <laughs> Stroked, Master Mendoza. 20? Yeah, so they whip a corpse. A little overkill there, buddy. So He, he said taint. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to lie, kind of consider just pulling that out by the taint. By the taint. <laughs> clip, clip. <laughs> I love it. All right, so they haul a corpse out of the grave, and then they start whipping the corpse. So I get necrophilia and S&M mixed together. <laughs> Sexy as hell, this movie. And there's no safe word here. This is the kind of Christianity I can get behind. They're stealing people's money. They're fucking burning them at the stake for no reason at all and they're flogging corpses like it ain't no thing. And like I said, there's no safe word anymore. You don't have to worry about it. You just keep going all night long. Yeah, just I confess, that's your safe word. <laughs> but if you're doing this to a corpse, there is no safe word. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can beat a corpse all night. <laughs> clip. <That's> clip. <laughs> yeah. All right. I wasn't going to step on that one. <laughs> they then grind up what is left of the skeletal remains into a fine powder and then dump it within a large hourglass as Lance Hendricks and reminds everyone about an eternity in hell and or heaven, depending upon the life choices that you make, and then accents this by flipping over the new hourglass containing corp dust. Okay, this movie is working way too hard to make me go, holy shit, that's cool. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I was wondering if maybe that might be on your uh, Christmas wish list. So. <laughs> All right, so they roll the opening credit sequence of that, different woodcuts, and then we have very creepy, cool, like uh, choir singing uh, Latin and I think they sing something that sounds like Satan or whatever. Not sure exactly. What, well, not like that, but that's what I was doing while they were doing it. I loved all of the woodcuts and I'm like, that could be a cool tattoo. That could be a cool <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> I was digging a lot of what they had there. So, And it's a pretty typical Stuart Gordon opening from these days. He, he tends to like to have the woodcuts or this illustrated stuff that they'll animate around. I mean, it really is reminiscent of what they did with Reanimator, particularly the way that that opening would go with the medical diagnosis diagrams moving around to the music and everything. Interesting. I'll have to go back and watch a couple of others' films and, and, and pick that up. I, I think I want, I want to go back and watch Robot Jocks now. I think that was another one of his. Yes, it was. And my warm and fuzzy memories do not hold up to the reality of what that film <laughs> That was like the bee's knees of a film to me when I was a kid. I've watched it fairly recently. I still I still dig it. Fair enough. But to me, it was like better than anything else on the face of this earth as a kid. So it was built up in my memory to be so much better. Oh, I understand. We've all had those falls. <laughs> a lot of of the stuff in the woodcuts is like basically things dealing with witchcraft and the inquisition and then all of that fades into an establishing shot of a castle coincidentally actually owned by Charles Band and it's in Italy. Oh wow. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. They did a lot of productions there where they did a different medieval stuff. Well la di da one percenter. <laughs> I just had some money back then. Alright. Yeah. Alright so they cut from that to some dough being kneaded. Mm. Mm. Ladies mm -hmm. working it real good. Make to me. <laughs> Which is exactly what Antonio says whenever he ends up grabbing some boobs right there in front of that before the both of them drop onto some sacks of flour yeah, and get making out all over that flour. And then Antonio mm. just self-cock blocks himself due to burning bread. Yeah, what yes, the, the bread. Antonio and the bread. <laughs> For the first 10 minutes of this film, I really wonder if Antonio loves anything other than bread. The motherfucker, you're fucking on top of the flour. Now you're worried about the bread? Maria jumps up and starts praying as a 
of bells ringing while he goes to tend to the bread. And because there is dialogue and I was kind of busy lusting over Maria, that's our next clip. Pray that we sell all this bread. I'm praying for the souls of those who suffer today. That doesn't mean that you must suffer. See them beaten and burned and feel their pain as if I were being tortured. Those poor people are heretics. Maria, the Inquisition says they must be punished. But the church also says that God is merciful. <laughs> well, the church can afford to be merciful. We have debts. Maria, we must sell this bread at the altar fair. But you said yourself that the altar fair is wrong. All of Toledo will be there. We need the money. Fresh pork, buy my fresh pork. Lovely fresh pork. Buy my sausage, lady. Lovely fresh sausage. Thank you very much. Antonio, let's go. Go? Maria, we're selling all the bread. These people are going to the Alto da Fe. We're making money on the suffering of others. One love, please. Oh, thank you, senorita. Hey! So that anyway, pork guy in the background is awesome. <laughs> Real quick, that bread's not the only thing that's self-rising. Am yeah, I right? Yeah, am I right? Right on. Yeah. 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 I'd put a bun in that oven. Ah, yeah. Then I'd pay to get it aborted. Would <laughs> <laughs> you pay to burn it? Yes. Oh. <laughs> All right. So at the end of the clip there, we hear some bastard children steal a loaf of bread and run off. And Antonio, being a dumbass, he gives chase with the rest of the bread. And then his well, trip- it's the bread, Court. It's the bread. <laughs> Right, more important than his wife's safety, well-being, or mental health. He's got to sell right. that bread. Yeah, They man. have to sell the bread. Yeah. And so he gets tripped, and then all the bread goes everywhere, which, again, he's all freaking out over. He sounds worse than the cabbage guy from the fucking Avatar series. <laughs> <laughs> Another deep reference. What the fuck? My yeah. pop culture shit is going yeah, off you're hand. going crazy today. I need to rein that in. Yeah. Something's wrong with me, mm. and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so the bread goes all over the street. He immediately tries to grab it up. I'm guessing he's invoking the 30-second rule. <laughs> <laughs> tries to grab it up off the ground. Not that they cared I, about germs back then. No. Yeah, I was going to say, at this time in history, it's more like the five-day rule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, are we past or beyond the plague? Oh, we're right smack dab in the middle of it. Oh, the plague. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't give a shit over there. No. no. Maria insists that he get up and that they get out of there because of this uh, coming execution. I forget what the name of it is in Spanish. I can't pronounce it because I'm an ignorant fucking American. Yeah. And Father as... Father Yes. And as we all know... America is a bunch of cunts. Which is why... I can't pronounce it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. And basically what it is, is it's a trial slash execution that's done in public that all of the Christians are called to and they have to go see. And you heard it in the clip. She's got a lot of empathy. She cares a lot about people and she can't bear the suffering that they have to go through, even if they are heretics, even if they are witches. She feels like they shouldn't have to suffer like that because Maria's well, a good person. Apparently they didn't turn her into a newt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you get better. <laughs> I'm just going to keep making these jokes all yeah. night. Oh, yeah. I'm fine. With that. I'm going to deep fry this shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Maria insists that he gets up and that they take off, but they are both immediately swept up into the crowd that is on their way to these public executions. The bread goes everywhere and is trampled. So, haha, there you go, Antonio. You fucked yourself up there. It reminds me when you try to move against the crowd at Disney World. It's just not going to happen. Just go with the flow. <laughs> Unless you start throwing elbows and then security helps you right out of the park. <laughs> yeah. Not that yeah, I know but, from personal I mean, experience. Don't you want to go see Goofy get flogged by Mickey Mouse? Yeah. Yes, of yes, course. Yes, That's where the actually. whole group was going, to my opinion. If Disney would do that, man, I would be there like every year. If Disney had an SNM night. Yeah. 
<laughs> Dude, I have Families to see some. Go. I need to see some alternative photography of that. <laughs> Welcome to your one night Disney pass for S and M night. <laughs> I didn't say my wife was crazy. I said she was fucking goofy. <laughs> Your, your safe word is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> but by the time you get that out, you're already choked out. Yep. Yeah. They cut from that and we see Stuart Gordon's wife, the one that was in the clip earlier who actually called uh, Lance Hendrickson and his cohorts thieves. That's actually Stuart Gordon's wife. And oh, no kidding. Yeah, she's actually the one let out and she's going about to be executed as a witch. Now, the two of them, both Antonio and Maria, try to leave, but they're not allowed. One of the guards actually gets all asshole with a whip at them and threatens them that they'll be beaten or they shouldn't leave or they'll be charged as heretics. So we yes, already uh, see the violence inherent in the system. Come see the not violence they, uh, inherent in the system! <laughs> help, help, they're being repressed. <laughs> not one of the better line readers in this film. <laughs> he sounds he, almost like he was dubbed, too. It was pretty flat. What are you, heretics? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a whip, dude. Work the whip. You know what you gotta yeah. do. <laughs> Alright, so the woman who is Stuart Gordon's wife begs to be killed quickly instead of burnt alive at the stake, which will not happen until after she offers a bribe because that's how everything works now you have to give over money I like how she had the ring sewn into her dress yes mm -hmm. like as a place to hide it because for this exact purpose mm -hmm. to get a quick death which wasn't even really that quick because he then strangles her to death and it looks yeah, like it took even I'm, longer well she has to watch yeah. her son get whipped yeah right yeah I'm thinking you, you you get set on fire your nerve endings are gonna shut down a lot quicker than being strangled over someone's back while watching your son getting flogged I think I'd take the flames. Dude, my penis can only get so erect. Can we stop describing what's happening to her? It's the word flog, isn't it? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, little kids getting beaten while women are strangled to death? God oh, because damn. some harpy gave a guy a sword in a lake? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Alright, so she is strangled to death. Her son has continued to be whipped, and her corpse is lashed to the pole and burnt. Lance Hendrickson once again starts delivering a crazy religious diatribe, and for God's sakes, he is the man that carries this film, so so that's our next clip. Fear God, fear His wrath. There is one faith, one worship, one church, and all is sin, and sin will be punished. Who are you? What's your name? Maria, I beg you, please, we only want to leave. I beg you, please, let us go. In Christ's name, I beg you, have mercy. Arrest her. Arrest her. On what charge? Witchcraft. Witch, gotcha. No, wait, my husband, he's hurt. Your husband is dead, witch. Antonia! Two days in here, piss will run out of your eyes. It is? Oh. Excuse me, senor. I thought you were dead. What happened to my wife? The witch? She was arrested. Witch? Where, where did they take her? Where is she? And, uh, Brother Tokamara, this baker insists on seeing you. No tradesman. It's my wife, Grand Inquisitor. She was arrested at the auto de fe. The witch? No, she's not a witch. But I swear, I have known her almost a year. And who are you? My name is Antonio Alvarez. 
I am a baker, but I was a cook and a soldier in King Ferdinand's army. And this qualifies you to judge whether or no someone is in thrall with the devil? No, sir. But Maria is like an angel. Satan was an angel. Go home. Trust in the church. My home is with my wife. Careful, baker. That can be arranged. Please. Maria loves the church. She'll have a trial. But everyone knows about the trials of the Inquisition. You torture people. If she is as Virtuous, as you say, torture reveal it. She'd be set for no. I swear, she is not a witch. Ah. Wait, please. You must hear my evidence. She's bewitched you. Your evidence speaks against her. No. I beg you, just talk to her. Look at her. She can never do anything evil. She is innocent. The Inquisition will decide. All right. So after this, Maria is led from her cell to the torture chamber. We see a dude in an Iron Maiden. Excellent. (laughs) And another one lashed down into a rack. One of the ones that have you bend over like the stocks kind of thing that you would see in this time frame. And she is led to the main table and stripped nude, which I would like to thank the movie for. But all the men leering at her are making me feel horrible. But still, you know, thank you, movie. Uh, 1991 me was was thanking movie. Yeah. Sorry, but thank you, movie. But sorry. I'm so sorry. Sorry, but so thank sorry. you, movie. Sorry. I feel terrible for women in this situation. But, I'm so sorry. But she's so beautiful and I can't stop staring. And you know, she's a witch. Well, that makes it even worse for me. <laughs> Better for me. And so just I'm as, Catholic. as I'm starting to have these kind of conflicted feelings about, you know, really liking to see her naked and then they make sure they show you shots of all of the men leering at her very lecherously. Mm. It's, yes. it's disgusting. So That starts making me feel horrible because I'm doing the exact same thing, only saying things to my TV that I probably shouldn't. I'm littering at the men who are littering at her. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I know. She swears that she is not a witch, and then they keep saying something while they're making her strip, like she doesn't want to strip, and then they're like, basically not stripping is admitting that you're a witch. Everything about this is, I'm not a witch. Well, if you're not a witch, then get naked. But I'm not a witch. Well, not getting naked proves that you are a witch. My wife is not a witch. I have evidence of that. All of the evidence that you're trying to submit just proves that your wife is a witch. Listen, if we throw her off a cliff and she dies, then we'll believe she's not a witch. <laughs> we're going right, yep. to dunk her in a lake and drown her. If she drowns, she's not a witch and yeah. therefore she went to heaven. If she lived, she is a witch and therefore and then, we burn her at the stake. And then we don't really know what to do because now she's flying around and we're pretty much <laughs> fucked. <laughs> if she really was a witch, maybe she just can hold her breath for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> maybe she's a non-smoker. After she's stripped nude, they begin quote-unquote examining her, but it's really just an excuse for these dirty old bastards to poke and prod at her. Gross. Really fucking gross. They have the three men poke and prod at her and well, this made me uncomfortable and so I want everyone else out there in TV land to be uncomfortable. That's our next clip. Join the hunt. What exactly are we looking for, surgeon? Oh, hidden charms, poisons, third nipple where Satan may suck, any blemish, maybe a witch's mark. It could be as small as a pinprick. Excuse me, doctor. Perhaps she's hidden something evil inside her. I wish to God she would. Come, Grand Inquisitor, join the hunt. This is not sport, Dr. Wessels. We're defending the church. Of course. There. Ow! 
There's a mark. No! It wasn't there before. It's fading. She's working her sorcery. Is there a mark or not? Yes. If it is, it's the only one. Otherwise, she's perfect. Does she bear Satan's mark? See for yourself. Oh, brother. What a bunch of dick licks. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like men put in power and being able to make life and death decisions over women would be a bad thing. In the name of God, oh. by the way. Well, yeah, that makes it even worse because if you go against anything that they say or you try and question them, you're questioning God and therefore you are a heretic and must be put to death and torture. Yes. Yeah. Fuck your religion. <laughs> Not mine. Yeah, this was the Catholic Church, dude. Yeah, you know, it kind of was. Really. You know, it, it really was. This is what they did. Yeah, not really. <laughs> Matt, are you swimming in the Nile? Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to offer some alternative facts? Yeah. <laughs> so apparently the Inquisition did not happen. Never happened. We were yeah. all just happy. Oh. Inquisition cool. denier. Oh, yeah. interesting. Inquisition <laughs> denier. Mm-hmm. Just because you didn't read about it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So she is led up to the Grand Inquisitor with this last thing where she's supposed to have a mark that he checks for himself. And he clearly also lusts after her. And Lance Hendrickson plays that conflicted, I have no idea what to do really well. It's all written on his face you don't even need to hear him say it right before he can't handle the fact that she's there naked in front of him so that he just basically rips off her cross that even though he's reaching to touch her and that the whole way that he plays that out and then he just runs away like a scared little child it's basically the way that he runs out is like he just got made fun of called everyone in the room a bunch of dicks and took off it's like he, you know hit his first ever orgasm in front of the class <laughs> or something i think just so. gonna say i think he, he needed to leave the room before he got his robe sticky everyone yeah. could see it <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily the case because we'll find out later that his waterworks aren't all that functional. His pipes are a little too flexible for that kind of thing, fellas. <laughs> all right, so Maria is thrown back into her cell and is talked to and comforted by the happy Gilmore's grandmother. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Esmeralda. Esmeralda the witch. All right, everybody, here we go. Let's put the code in. It is happy Gilmore's grandma. Yes. That's how I refer to her in the, my notes. The happy Gilmore grandma. Yeah, that's I'm fine with that. That's the kind of fun I was having yesterday was picking alternative <laughs> names for everybody. <laughs> She's trying to basically stop the bleeding from Maria's head wound. It turns out also that Happy's grandma is a witch. And because it's been, I don't know, two and a half seconds since the last one, here's our next little mini clip. What are you doing? Spider's web to stop the bleeding. No, thank you. It's gashing the head is such a foolish superstition. And it doesn't even work. Look, you can still cast spells. You're a witch. And you're not, I poor thing. I don't ride a broomstick through the air or kiss the devil's cock. I grow herbs, try to heal the sick as best I can. And for this, they want to burn. I'm sorry. My, my name is Esmeralda. I, I, I didn't mean to be short. It's just that when your hide is all furrowed and tanned like mine, they'll take some spiteful farmer's word for it that you've got ten tits and a cunt full of teeth. <laughs> Enter. Yes, Savior. I told you not to call me that. Forgive me. The Lord saved you. I merely showed you your sin. I was not worthy. I was damned. You did your penance. I had to crucify. And the wounds are still fresh. Remind you of yourself. Remind you. The Lord 
saved you. And now I need you to save me anything. Flog me. I just want to make sure you pulled that clip to see her happy Gilmore's grandma say the word cunt, right? With teeth, no less. Yes. Yeah. All right. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> and Satan's cock. Yeah. And, and may I just say this? Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and also thank you, Christopher, because we just got a great clip for you. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I pulled the clip because I love Frances Bay. Everything she's in, she's fucking amazing. My favorite role of hers of all time is the innkeeper in the mouth of madness. She is amazing. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Mrs. Pickman, I think they call her, Mm -hmm. which is a reference to little Lovecraft stuff. So there you go. With this, Lance Hendrickson gets a little sadomasochistic God fetish going on here. And not just God, but also a little Mother Mary fixation, which is even creepier. He has Don Hector whip him or flog him, however you want to put it, while he is staring up at a picture of the Virgin Mary, which continues to look like Maria. So he's still lusting after Maria and he's trying to beat this out of his body by chastising his flesh, which is actually a thing that monks and other super religious people do yeah. in this they faith. They believe pain cleanses their impure thoughts. And flesh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And did he not have one of those uh, torment belts that you would wrap around yourself to scrape against the flesh and cut it too? He yeah. took that off. It, it, okay. it really so, reminds yes. me of, uh, uh, oh fuck, that uh, with Tom Hanks and the, the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. I remember the monk who was Yeah, he had it wrapped him. around his leg, yeah, the albino he guy. To, that, he had to take it off and yeah. wrap it around the other leg. It's and, very similar, chastising yeah. the flesh like that. It's like a penitent way of being to, to live and he was doing it because he was trying to make up for the sins of murdering a lot of people. Yeah. Whereas Lance Hendricks is doing it because I think he gets off on it. And also, you know, he got a stiffy for a chick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the first time that happens to you, you want to flog it down too. <laughs> <laughs> just don't use a whip, kids. No. Or do. Just Or do. I mean, but learn about it first. Yeah, be safe. Yeah. <laughs> don't rip your dick off with a whip. No. No. Clip. No. Gotta be careful. Safety first. <laughs> oh, yeah. His lustful faces and his weird, twisted looks at the camera as he's being whipped mixed together with shots of Maria is just really fucking gross. Mostly because it's Lance Hendrickson. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with all the kink that's going on with this dude, but the fact that he's like lusting after her and it's Lance Hendrickson, that's the part that grosses me out. Yeah, stop it. (laughs) Stop being sexual, Lance Hendrickson. Just just stop. Just be creepy, but not sexually creepy. Yeah, the sexual creepy (laughs) thing is too much, Lance Hendrickson. You're too good at this. The cutaway from that to the bodies of the church's victims are dumped by Duffy from RoboCop 2 and Maria's husband Antonio bribes Duffy to smuggle him into the dungeon so that he can basically try and rescue his wife Maria. He does this by stuffing him up under the cart and automatically says once you're in there you're on your own like this guy's gonna be honorable come yeah, on. Yeah right. Mm-hmm. Antonio's not the brightest fucking guy. No. He's kind of dumb. You got well, he, at, at this point I'm still thinking his only concern is that he needs help baking the bread. <laughs> Duffy from RoboCop 2 starts gambling with the money that he just got, inferring that he needs to win back his wages that he already lost. That's the kind of level of people that we're dealing with here. Yeah, that's the kind of, kind of guy. Let's gamble some cash. The main torturer, who is Don Hector, is actually chastising them for gambling because it goes against the church. And then they all lament that the Pope is sending someone to end the torture and all the fun that they're about to have. They set it up this far back in the movie that the Pope may be sending someone already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if that catches you 
you by surprise. Clearly, you weren't paying attention to the dialogue in this scene. Exactly. And who could blame you? Because number one, Maria is not there. Yeah. And number two, you know, I was busy getting flogged. <laughs> right. <laughs> Antonio starts sneaking around the dungeon looking for Maria by basically peeking into every cell and not helping anyone and then saying Maria's name, but just looking at the people and then trying to push them away when they're begging him for help. He finally finds her and attempts to save her, but is double-crossed by Duffy from RoboCop 2, and the execution for him is stayed by Torquemada. He does this just so he can get his rocks off, knowing that he can now use this man's life as leverage against Maria. Now, the next scene, they start waterboarding Happy's grandma, I think. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much what they're doing. Or they're forcing her to chug upside down, which is really uncomfortable. Whoa, 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 whoa. Go slow while you describe that. (laughs) (laughs) This is your kink, drowning an old woman? I'm not judging you. I'm just asking. (laughs) (laughs) Could be worse. Not just any old woman. Happy's Happy's grandma. grandma. It has to be Francis Bay for you to get off. Fair enough. Uh, I'm not describing it. That's all I have in my notes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, they hold her upside down. Oh, wait. Here we go. So they set her upside down. Mm -hmm. They put a funnel in her mouth filled with water. Mm. And they start dumping water down there and force the water down her throat, I'm guessing. but naughty grandmother. But she can't really swallow because she's hanging upside down. So it's just kind of sitting right there. She's spitting. Just enough to choke her, Matt. Yeah, that's all it takes. Just enough to choke her. Matt doesn't know what that's like. He's never had enough to choke anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Way to ruin the bit. Anyway. (laughs) Ruin it for you. Enhance it for everyone else. I emasculate you on the air once again. Oh, yeah. All right. So they're basically waterboarding her, but it's a more fancy way of doing it with a funnel and everything. It's the old fashioned Inquisition way, basically making her feel like she's drowning. Well, Maria stands up to them and tries to stop that, which pisses off Don Hector's character, who is the main torturer. So he drags her to a torture rack and straps her down against Jeffrey Combs' major protest. I love this. I love that there's like a method to it. This is just her stage one. She's just supposed to watch. Yeah. <laughs> the torture comes tomorrow. Yeah. So basically she has to watch and see what's going to happen to her and then she will be tortured no matter what. But she stood up to them and Don Hector was like, no, we're not having any of this. Do you not know who I'm going to be in about 20 to 30 years? <laughs> oh, and you even skipped over the fact that uh, the happy's grandma there is saying, look, I'll tell you whatever you want. You want me to confess to something? I'll confess to something. And they're like, no, we have to torture you first or else it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we're going to get off on this no matter what. You can confess uh-huh. all you want but you're going to be tortured either way. (laughs) Yeah, she does say that. And they actually think that they killed her for a moment, but it turns out because of Maria's protest and the fact that they were prefixed on her, both with Don Hector trying to torture her and Jeffrey Combs' character trying to stop that, that she actually saved Happy's grandma's life. So they start stretching her on the rack. One of the torturers starts getting real rapey, basically by saying, if I can make this stop, will you be very grateful for me? Uh And that was Uh the guy that earlier basically said he wanted to search inside of her for a devil's mark. Jesus. The same guy. Yeah, very rapey, very disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of the light version of what these Inquisitors actually would do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gross. All right, so all the while this is happening, we hear Happy's grandma becoming kind of like this weird ethereal voice in the background, and she's kind of beckoning to Maria to sort of leave with her and like exit her body. And as they do, we actually see a happy place, just like in Happy Gilmore, when Happy has to go away. Yeah, right? It's kind of the same. It's got the little grove. We don't have the little person that's running around being shooter. No. And also, more importantly, we don't have the girl in the lingerie with the two things of beer. We, well, and or the little, you know, the little person. 
person riding the uh, the little person. That's the guy who cowboy. Pl- that's the guy who's pretending to be Shooter. That's supposed oh. to represent Shooter. Oh, McGavin. is that supposed to represent? I yeah. never got that. Nice. You never understood that before. <laughs> no. He has two pistols and he's shooting a gun. How did I, you not get that? I don't know. I just thought he. I just thought in Happy's mind. He just wanted a little person running around. Well, who doesn't? Yeah. That's what, I mean. <laughs> That's what's in my happy place. Well, anyway, that's where they're at, only it's quite nothing like that. It's actually just this really beautiful grove with like a waterfall in the background or something like that. And that's this particular place that they go to to escape the pain. And she actually explains to her that she's on the path of a witch already and that she's kind of this natural born witch. And she's told not to look down no matter what and that this place will basically take her away from the pain and help her survive what's about to happen to her, which is a really interesting take on how some of these witches could survive torture and not confess for a long periods of time. Yeah. I really kind of like this idea, even though it's a little, you know, spooky, Mm -hmm. ethereal Mm -hmm. stuff. But still, it's a cool shot. And then she basically ignores the command to not look down because, let's face it, anytime anyone's told not to look down, what's the first thing they do? I'm going to look down. You will look look down. down. Yeah, it's happened. And I'm dead. And when she looks down, she sees her body, I'm guessing, being tortured. And then she falls back into her body and starts screaming in pain. Lance Hendrickson shows up. Therefore, we have another clip. What is she doing on the rack? It was Mendoza. She just fainted. He insisted that she be asked the question. I tried to warn him, Grand Wizard. He insisted like I warned him. I tried to explain to him, Grand The next prisoner that dies, the man responsible, will be judged enemy of the church and tortured. I'll take her confession myself. Torture the husband. Death is certain. Only the time is uncertain. I go to sleep knowing that the thread could break at any moment, like the thread of life. And that if God thought I was wrong, he could strike me down. He can do it anytime to anyone. Yes, that's why we fear. But he gives us life because he loves us. That is his power. Love is strong in the fear. <laughs> then confess to me that you are a witch and I may be able to save your life. I'm not a witch. By the blood and pain of Christ, I'm not. If you won't see your sin, then it must be shown to you. <gasps> Okay, so Lance Hendrickson's getting a little more rapey in that clip as we go. Well, one of the things that I love about this film is it's not just hitting the pendulum. I mean, this film is like an homage to Poe. Well, I'm sure we'll touch on some of the others, but I think this is probably the first one where we've got the the Sword of Damocles hanging by a thread over uh, Torquemada's bed. I just love how all these little bits of elements are dropped and sprinkled into this film. It's really pretty interesting, too, because it's winks and nods, and it's for a Poe fan that would be able to pull some of those things out without it being too overt where they're like really like huh huh do you get it yet you dumbass yeah know what i mean like no raven comes and sits on top of a door stoop and says never more in this no no (laughs) it's nothing quite that overt (laughs) but it's enough to where you're like the doom of damocles and that kind of thing and i know the part that you're referencing and i did catch that and it will be a big part of it also oliver reads in that so you know that's gonna be a clip (laughs) yeah we'll get there yeah after this he takes her to the like little watch area that's over top of the Inquisition. It's like the stained glass eye window and in the center it's like a piece of glass clear that you can look through. So basically you can kind of peer and do whatever up there without anybody being able to see what it is you're doing while you're looking over top of the torture. Alright. <laughs> Sticky robe. Yeah. That's what you do in Vegas. <laughs> yes. Yes you do. Usually you have to pay double for that kind of action. Mm, if you look like guys like us it's triple. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The longer it goes the better I start looking. So maybe it'll get down to one point five for me. (laughs) Cut that triple in half. She sees that her husband is being tortured. He very specifically ordered that her husband be tortured and he's using this to his advantage to force her empathy to be used against her. This is another level of disgusting rapiness that this Uh, character has. Yep. Gross. It's awful. 
helpful. She tries to offer her confession. She tries anything that she can just to be able to get this to stop, but instead that's not going to help at all. It basically makes it worse. Just as Antonio is beginning his torture, he decides to pull a fast one on everyone. Looks like they dumped hot oil on top of the chair yeah. already. Mm -hmm. Then they put a small fire underneath it, and then they plopped Antonio down on top of it, and he has some really great dialogue where he's talking about, you'll need a hotter fire than that to burn my buns. Yeah. Once again, yes. back to the Oh, this wouldn't bit. melt snow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of great dialogue, and basically what he's doing is he is supplanting the pain, because I'm assuming since he was a soldier, he's able to have this kind of training. Yeah. Or at least he's used to this level of discomfort, mm -hmm. and he's supplanting the pain in order to distract them and make them off their guard, because these torturers clearly have no idea how to deal with someone See, that can't be hurt. What happened was one day, he accidentally leaned against his bread maker while steaming hot. What they don't know is his entire backside is just numb. It's like a giant callus. <laughs> yes. It's just, just <laughs> melted nerve endings nothing. of his butt. Yep. <laughs> his ass looks like Freddy Krueger's face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's really gross and kind of sexy. <laughs> <laughs> While pulling that fast one on them, they decide that obviously there must be something wrong with the fire, there must be something wrong with the chair, and so Duffy from RoboCop 2 loosens him up and lets him get up off the chair, which is a complete trick. He then uses this to his advantage after being let loose, starts to formulate an escape, and essentially kicks the living fuck out of every single guard and anyone else that's sent his way using a fucking ladle that they had the hot oil well, with. Well, doesn't he blind fucking... He throws it in Duffy's face. He doesn't yeah. blind him, but it's enough to burn his face pretty horribly. Yeah. The yep. rest of the movie, he's got a really cool burn makeup. So yeah, that does happen. And then he still has the ladle in hand. But the important part is they're all fighting with swords. They all have armor and he's still kicking their ass yep. with this giant two-handed ladle. Hey, listen. Yeah, Antonio really uh, changes directions here. He goes from just about the bread to suddenly it's not like, oh, okay, yes, you were a soldier and apparently a pretty good one. Yeah, he pretty much, I think, was tired of that life and that's why he became a bread maker. And they talk about the debts and everything like that. So I think he's obsessed with trying to get out of debt so that they can have a life and actually build a life as being a bread maker because that was a good business in this time frame. Not everybody had the resources to be able to do the bread and mm -hmm. so they would be able to you know, buy it from him yeah. and it, was be a, it would be a good solid business to have being a baker in this time frame. So I can see his business model working for him. It just so happens that you know he was in the right place just at the wrong time being the Inquisition going on all around him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if his wife could have just, you know, maintained and not didn't went, you know, rushing up on, you know, interrupting a lashing. They were beating a little kid though and she has way too much empathy. I get it, man. Any normal human being that has any empathy at all alone would try and stop something like that. Now you add in Maria's devout belief and faith mixed with her empathy uh -huh. and she's what a Christian actually is supposed to be like. I know. I'm which just is why saying she's like what, what, you know, causes these things. Plus she's really fucking hot so get off her back. I'm not on her back. I would like yeah, to be. I know. <laughs> I was waiting. I was like, I mean, I want to be but I'm not. That does bring up the point that, you know, had Antonio just made love to his wife, none of this would have happened. <laughs> had he just burnt the goddamn bread and <laughs> yeah. put a bun in her. Just let just... the bread burn. <laughs> yeah, but then we wouldn't have this really interesting movie to talk about. So. Uh, Maria sees him with this fight and actually looking like he's going to get himself freed, and she also tries to run away and flee to him, but is stopped by Torquemada. She gets free by elbowing him or something along those lines, and then they actually end up kidnapping Torquemada, who basically follows her and tries to snag her again, and then they're using this to flee, where they actually end up pulling a dagger on him, and they're trying to get out of dungeon. Torquemada ends up breaking loose after a bunch of dialogue and threats.
nuts and really this whole thing feels like padding as they're walking him around with a knife. Yeah. Gotta be 90 minutes somehow. Come on. And right after he breaks loose, they are captured and this time around, this clip is grabbed because part of it was actually used in a song by Ministry. That leads to our next clip. Take him to their cells. You swore you chose mercy. In this place, death is mercy. (laughs) Liar! Blasphemer! Grand Inquisitor, an emissary has arrived from Rome. Bears the Pope's seal. Ah, mountain has come to Mohammed. Yes, I am. Adonai, Elohim. How can you conceive of causing such agony? Some souls have turned so far from God that pain is the only way to call them back. The only tongue they understand. See, Amantayago. You do not join me, Father. I don't drink. I'm Italian. The grace of God upon us. Another your eminence. See, we do not taste its like in Rome. They say it has a kick like a Basque mule. <laughs> or a Carthusian nun. If the Inquisition permit. It belongs to the church. One of our many treasures confiscated in the course of our holy work. It is impressive. But His Holiness is not happy with the course in life. He wants the auto de fe to be discontinued immediately. Surely Rome understands that Public executioners discourage sin. <laughs> the good Lord, you know, Padre. He wants us to, to love our neighbor. No, no, roast him. No, roast him. Your Eminence, what greater love than to manifest God's justice? <laughs> the Pope also wants the Inquisition to stop the use of torture and declare an amnesty on all heretics. And the witches. Hmm? Rome is behind the times. His holiness is old and lost to zeal. He is the Pope! And I am the Inquisition. His holiness also demand, order you to return to Rome with me for an audience. I receive no such demand. I just delivered. Your eminence never arrived. Had an accident on the road. Mendoza! Gomez! I bear the Pope seal! Savior, he wears the red robe. Vanity. We must scourge the church of vanity. No. 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 No, I tell you, I have the seal of the Pope. Oh, he has the seal of the Pope. No. Help me. Help me. Someone help me. All right, we were mentioning it earlier, and here it is, The Cask of Amontillado. Yeah, and I didn't yep. even realize, I missed it when I watched the film. I, I picked it up when you played that clip. They actually referred to him as Cardinal Amontillado. Yeah, well, they actually referenced the wine as Amontillado, I think. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, okay. because the wine that he's drinking, if you go back and watch the film, it helps because I took out the actual sounds of the pouring, because that would just make everybody out there listening to this want to pee, yeah. Yeah, all the <laughs> wine being poured and everything. But he's pouring the wine, and then he says, it's Amontillado, or something along those lines before gotcha, he hands okay. it to him. And in the story, the guy gets led down to the basement of, you know, for the cask of Amontillado, which is this amazing wine. It's like super rare. And this guy supposedly has an entire cask to it. Yeah. He gets led down to this wine cellar that turns out to be a place that he's going to be entombed between the walls. And then they do that to the Cardinal, which is amazing. <laughs> and fucking Oliver Reed, dude, even in this age, at this time, just doing a little cameo, he fucking brings it and he owns that scene, man. He chews up every piece of scenery regardless 
regardless of the fact that it's an actual castle that he's in or whatever. Dude, he's amazing in this. I, I'm going to geek out over Oliver Reed, so. Yeah. He's pretty <laughs> yeah, awesome. It's pretty amazing. He is amazing. And, you know, if you didn't know who it was, you wouldn't know who it was. I mean, it, it is such a throwaway part. And how and why they decided to get Oliver Reed to do it, anyone's guess. But, you know, thank goodness they did it. I think they got Oliver Reed because at this point in time, he was in need of parts and he obviously would do cameos for a certain amount of fee and they probably needed to have a name using Oliver Reed because it's in the trailer. And then sure. also he had a role as someone who suffered the torment of being accused of being a witch in Ken Russell's The Devils, which is a pretty much lost film. I mean, you can get pieces of it, whether you buy the BFI DVD that was released over in England, you will never actually get a complete uncut version of the film unless it's actual 35 millimeter print being screened somewhere. But even then, good luck because Warner Brothers is terrified of what the Catholic Church will do to them. Uh The Devils may be my second favorite movie of all time. (laughs) Oh, wow. It's a really amazing film. It's very powerful and it's such a downer and it rips out your fucking heart, but it's a really good film. And yes, Matt, we will cover it someday. I was wondering. But I need to... I figured (laughs) if it's your second favorite movie of all time. I just need to piece it together so that we can get the complete version. Yeah. But enough about how much The Devils is such an amazing, underappreciated, and fucking just We're talking about film. this movie. Yeah, we're talking yeah. about this movie, which I believe Back out of the rabbit hole. Back yeah. out of the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Once I start talking Devils, it's really hard to get me to quit. Also, because Oliver Reed's in it, and he's fucking amazing. Okay. So, <laughs> I love the little, like, coda that they throw in there as the burning scroll gets thrown into that little tiny room. So, what little oxygen he will have left will be filled up with a burning scroll and smoke. Yes. That little mm-hmm. added bit of fuck you. Mm-hmm. That's just cruel. <laughs> oh, yeah. wait. They're torturers. That's what yes. they do. Yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> and with this, Oliver Reed's cameo has come to an end as he is entombed in the wall. They cut from this to, really? Our next clip. slow. <laughs> Father, I truly and completely confess to all the sins I'm accused of. I'm a witch. I cast spells. I bewitched my husband. You bewitched me. Yes. Whatever you say I did, I confess it. I alone am responsible. You want to save your husband from the just punishment of the Inquisition. And when I look in your eyes, I want to do Yes. You cast a spell on me. Yes. Please, let him go. You've confessed to me. Now I must confess to you. Maria, I love you. You're a holy man. You love all sinners. Not like that. Only you. You've got to help me. I don't know how to do this kind of love. I'm a married woman. Your husband dies tomorrow. No. In the morning. No. Yes. God, I'll do anything. Please, please let him go. If I let him free, you will never see him again. Never. Yes. Please free him. You will love me. Yes. Yes. If you let him live. Well, there goes all our fun, folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Ugh. that's where this movie is going. Can we rewind the tape back to the stripping scene? <laughs> no, no. That's Sorry. Uh... Mostly because we don't have the film on tape. <laughs> sorry that's how i watched it the first time so (laughs) okay so this scene torquemada pops out of the trunk of mother mary kind of shroud that's exactly like the one in the picture which makes me think this something that he's done before anybody else get that inclination yeah a Hmm. little bit it's part of his kink either that or he had that made specifically for this moment either way that's fucking horrific yeah that's bad (laughs) either way he had to plan that shit out because he had that beautiful blue cloak that looks an awful lot like the one that the Mother Mary was wearing in the image that he was picturing her in. Yeah. Yikes. Ugh. 
He puts that on her to complete his little sexual fantasy. Uh, yeah, gross. Mm -hmm. He then brings her to his bed, which I have written on my notes as the bed of Damocles. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. And he forces her to lay down by threatening her husband once again. When she doesn't want to do it, he basically says he'll kill her husband, leaving her absolutely no choice. He starts to undress her, and then he pulls her gown all the way up so we see her naked again, but this is definitely not a thank you movie because we're all uncomfortable. Mm, yep, thank nope, you nope. movie. Mostly because Lance Henderson is now drooling all over her and yuck. Ugh. Just yuck. Yeah. She ends up asking for God's help, which breaks my heart because it will never come for her. As he starts to climb on top of her and try to pump away, but his uh, immediate shame reaction either meant that he prematurely ejaculated or more than likely he's incapable of making it, you know, rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. He's more of a flatbread than a <laughs> risen loaf, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Just to kind of get our metaphor going there. He points all of his shame and rage at her, and I don't want to fucking describe what that's going to be like, so that's our next clip. Yay, everyone. Yay. Whoa. Love is stronger than fear. That's what you said. Good luck. Let you anything but keep your vow. You sell your body for an oath? Whore. Let my husband go. I put a spell on my manner. It's not my fault you can't love. You're the only one that knows that. Would you discredit the Inquisition and prefer God's holy will? Help me! God has spoken. He doesn't want me to kill you, but I can't let you go. Okay, so long story short, he can't get it up, therefore he has to torture people. That's the only way he gets his fucking rocks off. When he actually tries to torture, rape her at the same time, he can't get it up. He points that all to her and blames her by saying, you must have put a spell on my manhood. So the next time that happens to you, fellas, that's the thing you gotta do. Accuse the woman of being a witch, and then say she put a spell on your manhood. Hey, hey, don't steal my line. <laughs> Oh, I feel very sorry for the page household right now. <laughs> Did she also turn you into a newt? <laughs> and do you get better? <laughs> uh, I, I built the bridge out of her. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Bullets and water? Churches and very small rocks, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we got to do something to lighten the mood here. Right Jesus Oof. Christ. Yeah. And so he basically knocks her out at the end of that clip there because he needs to keep her quiet about the fact that he can't get it up. Yeah. Don't forget that the sword actually does fall. Right. And just misses them as he sits up from the bed and the sword slams down into, into it. Yeah. Because he was choking her and he was trying to kill her. And the position mm -hmm. that he was in and choking her, it would have actually fallen and killed him. But he moved just in time. And so he took that as a sign that God didn't want him to kill her. And so because he can't kill her and it's God's will, he also needs to make sure that she can't tell everybody that, you know, he's got the wet noodle that won't, you know, rise yeah. to the occasion. So yeah. he's got to do something about that. So he knocks her the fuck out after that and then cuts out her tongue with a pair of scissors. They don't show it, but they do enough to really sell it and bring it home. And it really kind of makes you go, ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the scenes in this film that even though it had been years since I had watched, it, I remembered that scene. You don't forget that scene. Yeah, it sticks with you. It's definitely the thing that, as soon as I thought of this film, I remembered that, and some other stuff coming later, like our titular area of both Pit and Pendulum. That's also yep. part you'll never forget. Yep. Right, so after he cuts out her tongue, he ends up tossing her into her cell to have Happy's grandma teach her how to use this magic to speak, basically, and also have her head to that very happy, beautiful meadow so that she can heal from the pain. There's a whole lot of fucking expository 
revelatory dialogue that Frances Bay is delivering here. She's basically saying what the plot is about to happen at the end of the movie. She goes into a, for lack of a better term, Superman healing coma. Yeah, right. <laughs> basically, she's going to be in this meadow in their happy place. But while she's there, she's going to learn how to use this magic that she wasn't able to kind of tap into that she's born into. And she doesn't need a tongue for her voice. The classes of Hogwarts are getting way more hardcore than they used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although, if you can make it to the meadow, it really teaches you a lot really fast while you're in your Superman healing coma. Yeah, right? Yeah. It really does. Yeah. But she but also... It's getting to the meadow. That's the yeah, hard that's part. that's the bitch, yeah. <laughs> well, this is like uh, the whole witchcraft and wizardry school was probably formed in direct response to the Inquisition. So, yeah. you know... It's just like Harry Potter's like, hey, my life was hardcore. Look at this lightning bolt scar. And she's like, oh, my beer, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounded more like, oh, my oh, beer, no. bitch. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> God damn, we're assholes. Yeah, go we ahead. We really are. We really are. As Morella's plan is, you know, Maria will go off and, and appear to be dead and figuring they'll just throw her out and she'll wake up. She explains the whole thing and you'll wake up among the dead and you'll be free with and you can run off with Antonio or whatever. The main plan was that she'll be finally free from Torquen Mata's men. And the other thing is that she was going to use this apparent death for revenge. She was hoping that she would come back and actually use her magic for vengeance or at least testify as to what happened and what Torquemada and his men are really up to and how they are the real heretics. Mm -hmm. But they all show up and then Torquemada's men then try to find a way to use the fact that she died as a way to kind of get vengeance on him because he had declared the next prisoner who dies, the man responsible will be considered a heretic put on trial and torture. Mm -hmm. And guess who it was that caused the next death? Torquemada. Now they're all brave when they're plotting and scheming together that they're going to do this to get rid of Torquemada but the first thing they need to do is get rid of the body. Antonio actually sees as Duffy from RoboCop 2 is wheeling her out, and he has himself a justifiable paperclips moment. It's as if all of the bread will be burnt from here on out. Oh my god. That's how upset he is. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Yep. It's as if all the freshly baked bread will be stolen by street urchins. Or fall upon the ground and not be able to be sold. Yes. Torquemada freaks out as well after finding out that she has died from having her tongue cut out, because he knows it's his fault and this may be the only thing he actually feels guilty for. They put the death onto Happy's grandma and frame her because Torquemada throws his weight around and all of his men are terrified little cowardly boys that can't do anything but torture people that are strapped down and unable to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Like most torturers. Yeah, I just, mean. Just saying. <laughs> and torturers so, aren't exactly known to be brave people. Yeah, and they go ahead and bury Maria in the exact same tomb set from the beginning of the film. I'm thinking that they took it over from the family and are actually reusing it to bury her here. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not just a monetary thing. It's specifically burying her here for that. And did you get a Ligeria little bit of a reference here, Christopher? Uh, I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, buried alive by accident. <laughs> oh, okay. Ooh, damn. Yeah. Or, you know, supposedly buried and not dead. And then there's also the fall of House Usher, I believe. Wasn't his sister buried in that alive and then she comes back to him? I believe so. Something along those lines is yeah. true. I It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Like we were saying, there's so much sprinkled throughout this film, I'm sure there's a bunch, you know, I actually kind of scratched the surface on Poe. I know some of the more famous ones. Okay. Uh, I don't know all his works, but I know enough when I see him in this film. They're like, oh, I know what they're talking about 
there. So if there's some that are a little bit more less known or at least not known to me, but are there, uh, probably. If you see it, then it's probably that exactly what you'd say it is. Well, there's at least three different stories I can think of that contain some type of premature burial where the person has to claw their way out of the tomb post stuff. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) those two are the ones I can remember the name of. (laughs) And so after being buried in the tomb from the beginning of the film, that leads to our next clip. Of the holy city of Toledo. Tonight, we rid our country of one of the most dangerous and evil women, Mistress Esmeralda. She has midwifed many of Satan's children into this world and changed them for Christian babies. Captain of the Guard, the Inquisition of Spain commends the witch. Esmeralda to the civil authorities for punishment. Be merciful unto her. Amen. Let this confessed rival of the church be condemned according to law and chastised according to custom. All praise to the Inquisition and all praise to the Grand Inquisitor, Brother Torquemada. I'm sorry, mistress, that you weren't able to properly confess. There just wasn't enough time to torture you. Thanks, anyway. You want a witch? I am a witch! And I curse you! I curse you! Suffer the same death I do! Yes! 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 Come closer! Come closer! Take a good look at your own death! Watch closer! You might miss the suffering! Lobo, I curse you to die for the flame in your hand! The righteous will prevail. The guilty punish. Torquemada, you hypocrite, you tyrant. I curse you to die by your own tortures at the hands of all the insistors you tortured and killed. Blasphemer. Blasphemer. You killed them. Virgin. And as I am a Christian faithful man, if I lie, may my tongue be alive. Oh God, if you listen to the prayers of which you let Maria live. I went Yeah. That's the other part about this film that I remember the yep, most yep. is good old Esmeralda. What you can't gather from that clip, but as she's being drawn through the crowd in the wagon, they have they stop and she looks down and there's a barrel of gunpowder. Yeah, and she starts stuffing her mouth with the gun and swallowing the gunpowder. Yeah, she eats a shitload of it. Something tells yes. me, and if you pay enough attention, she looks super skinny. But then when she cuts away, and there's that part in the clip where Jeffrey Combs is talking to her and apologizing that they couldn't get. <laughs> chance yes. to torture her and she goes yeah, i think anyway yeah thanks yeah. anyway i think i'll be okay anyway. but if you look her belly's a little distended like they actually pushed her costume out just a little bit mm-hmm. making it look like yeah. she purposely overstuffed herself turning herself into a human bomb this it's is a fucking amazing brilliant yeah. brilliant yeah. scene yeah, awesome. and then the makeup afterwards the explosion is fantastic and then the makeup effects that they do afterwards with everyone with you know with rib bones sticking out of their face and uh, it's fantastic yeah the bone shards that get sent 
out where she basically turns herself into a human nail bomb only with like fucking bone shards. Yes. And it actually, the, she gets the executioner to come closer to lighter on fire specifically so she can get him. She's basically like aiming her sternum and stuff at him <laughs> yeah. to make this happen. And when it goes off, it kills him. He gets the brunt of the force of all of the bones flying out of him. It looks like she gets yep. the rib cage all open to him. And then everybody else in the crowd that comes forward and is cheering just gets coated in pieces of bone. Yeah. No, I, so I, cool. lo- <laughs> I love how she goes to the crowd and they're getting close. Come on, closer. Get a good look. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And no one you could pull this off. You like me. I curse you. Yeah. You will die from the things that yeah. you do. Yeah. And I love the way that they set this up. And I don't think any other actress but Frances Bay could have pulled this off. She mm-hmm. has the right balance of like menace and like sweet, innocent grandma kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. She's always had that before she was Happy's grandma. Yeah. That's why she they could always her. be a little nutty. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a perfect example is not too long after this movie is the In the Mouth of Madness role yeah. that she plays where she's both. Well, oh my God. And then uh, she was in something else as well. It <laughs> was really creepy. Now, <laughs> she, and I keep forgetting it. She's it great. It was another comedy movie, but I was like, holy geez. She's great in everything she's in. I really love Frances yeah. Bay. Yeah. Oh, I know. It was Van Wilder. <laughs> I don't remember Van Wilder. I but, didn't really like that. Oh, you did? I loved no. it. But yeah, she played an administrator. She, that was some kind of uh, creepy too. All right. The thing I remember from that she was really creepy, but like in a weird way yeah. that wasn't like super creepy was a uh, private school. She was one of the administrators. And there's a scene where the character of Jordan gets her shirt ripped off and goes riding with her boobs hanging out, flopping around. Uh-huh. And she says the line, that's the finest example of bareback riding I've ever seen. And the way, <laughs> and the way that Francis Bay delivers it, like really like classy, but at the same time, kind of like way too into it. I just laugh my ass off every time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to cover that movie someday, Matt. Oh, I'm for it. Private school is amazing <laughs> and horrible all at once. <laughs> all right. So Maria wakes up after this with all of the explosion and Torquemada runs off because his tongue was severed by some kind of spiritualistic power, whether it was the curse or whether God's had enough of his horse shit in the context of this film. Who knows? But it's happening. Maria wakes up in the tomb and then Torquemada goes to her tomb as this is happening. She's scratching at the lid and pushing on it, trying to get out and she can't scream because no tongue, but is still making noises and she doesn't know what's going on and is horrified. And then while he's at the tomb, Torquemada starts confessing what it is that he had done, which Don Hector, the head torturer, overhears this, then crosses himself because the man that he idolized, which is Lance Hendrickson's character of Torquemada, who apparently saved him from the evil that he was cursed with, and therefore they have this weird sadomasochistic relationship that works Mm -hmm. together. Yeah, where they kind of switch back and forth on who's the dom and who's the sub. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah. they they do. They Mm -hmm. totally do. Who's the top? Mm -hmm. The power bottom. (laughs) They both are in this case because they switch. It's totally a thing. It's a thing. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, David. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Well, he crosses himself, and then Maria tries once again to lift the stone, but cannot move it. Then we see that Antonio is actually picked to be the first one to be killed by the brand new pendulum. If you pay attention during the film, you will actually see sections where Torquemada has been working on this. You'll see drawings on Mm -hmm. his desk. You'll see some various uh, laid out schematics and plans that he's been working on. Yeah. Scale model. Look at that again. He has a scale model as well. They set it up beautifully. There's little things like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's fucking awesome. And how much you want to bet, Christopher, that they reused a maquette that they built to show what they kind of wanted it to look like for him to have that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So like in the production meetings or something, yeah, like, okay, this is we want you to build, but it needs to be 10 stories tall. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like a a two scale Uh model, but they they wouldn't be surprised in the film. And I'd also I'm willing to bet that a lot of the production sketches on how they wanted it to look were also reused and they may have just aged them a little bit, made them look like they're 
on papyrus. Waste just, not, want not. That's absolutely. how these films were made. Yeah. It's fantastic. And Stuart Gordon is one of the best at it, as well as Brian mm-hmm. Yunsna. They will take a very little amount of money and make it look like three to four times the budget that they had. They're really absolutely. good at that. All right, so the pendulum then fires up and slowly works its way back and forth and then also down. I don't have to describe how a pendulum works. I think everybody knows that yeah. as it swings, it lowers one level each time yes. and moves. And a really sadistic fucker would make it move very slowly, like like minuscule pieces every time it goes back and forth. Oh, so yeah. it really takes a long time and really cuts in slowly, piece by piece. Yeah. You, you know, it, it, it's a little thing, but I, I love how they add in the clockwork noises of this thing swinging. So you hear it clicking as it goes back and forth and then drops, you know, another click. It really gives you an idea of like, you never see the mechanisms behind it, I don't think, but you definitely get the impression that they're there, even if they're not. I mean, it's just it's just a really great little bit of uh, sound editing. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the better sound designs for a device like this. It actually mm-hmm. makes sense. It times really well with the swinging of the pendulum. And I think they really took some time on this to make sure that they got it right. Uh, yeah. I happen to think the stereo mix of it is better. I listened to this in stereo with headphones and then I switched it over for a minute and put it on my surround sound to see what it would sound like um, with the headphones off and it didn't work quite as well. But oh, in, the, interesting. in the stereo mix, the way it goes back and forth in the mix with the pendulum swinging and the clockwork clicking is very cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was originally mixed in stereo and I think the 5.1 was just one of those like throw it on there and go for it type mixes mm-hmm. that they did. So sure, sure. That's my belief. I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm just picky like that. You're probably right. I think it would have been better if they put it on vinyl actually. (laughs) 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 All right, back to the movie, folks. (laughs) All the while that this pendulum is moving back and forth, Maria struggles but cannot get out of the tomb. And also, Antonio is trying really, really hard to get out of those bindings that have tying him down for the pendulum. And all of a sudden, he hears Maria's voice being used by her witchy magic. It has this very ethereal, very reverby type voice sound to it. She's unable to free herself, so she calls to him for help, and then I guess this uses all of her power, or she just goes to her happy place to survive longer? Yeah. I don't um, know which. Mm-hmm. Take your pick. I'm gonna go with the latter. Yeah. Well, she passes out, and then we see rats starting to get to work on Antonio. This is the thing I always remember, even more so than the exploding witch, man. The rats crawling up on him and starting to snack on him. Mm-hmm. I cannot forget this. It oh man, just really got right to that. <laughs> yeah, that really sucked. Yeah. Oof, there's something about being eaten alive by an animal that really just freaks my shit Especially out. Especially a little one. Yeah, because there's a bunch of little tiny bites and there's yeah. a shitload of them. Yeah. And the more blood, the more it's going to attract them. Yeah. From mm-hmm. wherever they're coming from. At least from. you know, like a lion, kind of maybe, you know. Two, maybe three bites, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> if you're unlucky. If you're lucky, if it bites you in the neck, you're probably gone almost right away. Yeah. If it gets you just right, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, no, little, little <laughs> animals it's all over yeah it's gonna take a while that's the worst all right so they start biting first at his ankles and then some of them work their way up to his hands and they actually start nibbling on his fingers and you see chunks of his fingers being pulled out by these rats oh, and it's it's looks, good makeup. Yeah, that's, i mean it's well done oh the blu-ray actually has the old school video zone that they used to do back nice. in the day i remember this makeup technique where they actually show you how they did it which is really cool too it's pretty incredible i really love video that. zone yeah video zones is one of the best things that full moon used to do they give you behind 
behind yeah. the scenes. They showed you all this stuff, and it was. We'll get to that. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Yeah, Let's... yeah. We'll, we'll keep moving. We'll keep moving. We're real close to being done here, so it's a good call there. All right, yeah. so he tries to get them off of him, and then also to chew on the ropes. One of them, he calls over to try and chew on the ropes. It goes up to his face, and he starts biting his face. A little bit of comic relief, where he's like, "Not my face! Yeah. The ropes!" <laughs> he's all frustrated. And then he actually has a rat that's been chilling out on his chest, deciding what the hell it wants to do. It's just kind of sitting there, and all of a sudden, the pendulum gets a little too close. It swipes the rat and chops it the fuck in half. Mother dick. That actually looked like they cut a real rat in half, but when you see it hit the ground, it's definitely a fake rat. Yeah. So I think yeah. what it, I think what it was is the rat may have been on a string and they might have pulled it to safety as the pendulum was yeah, coming yeah. across to make it look like... You got a, you got a lot of wishful thinking in there, don't you? Well, <laughs> I, this time frame that this film was made when in, was they probably... Made? In the 90s. I don't oh, think they could have... Oh, yeah, yeah. 91. Yeah. Right, it's 91. Yeah, you're right. Then yeah, they, they probably didn't hurt the rat. Yeah, they, they didn't probably crack this, a rat. This ain't the 70s and yeah, stuff right? or, or European-made films, dude. <laughs> yeah. We're good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, so the rat gets snapped in half or sliced in half by the pendulum, and then he uses half of the rat or the back half of the rat to coat the ropes, and he ends up tricking the rat into eating the guts and the ropes at the same time, which ends up getting him somewhat free. While this is happening, though, Don Hector shows up for a final confrontation with Torquemada, and that leads to our next clip. Savior, what are you doing here? Why don't you go torture some heretics? I tortured the baker's wife and she was innocent. Get out! You tortured me and I was innocent. I was your savior. I won't let you murder him. No! They were innocent, all of them. Women, children. Gotta have mercy on your soul. So it looks like Don Hector's having a little crisis of faith here with what's happening. Uh-oh. He mm-hmm. fully believed in what he was doing only to find out that Torquemada was a rapist, scam artist, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like most people higher up in the churches. Damn, dude, just settle down. Well, Torquemada was his own undoing. I mean, which is kind of, you know, prophecy fulfilled because he admitted that, you know, this girl was innocent. And now this guy, you know, he was innocent, but he confessed to stop the torture and to be quote unquote saved. And so they're like, wait a minute. So she's innocent and I tortured her. So someone tortured me and I was innocent. And that's when, you know, all the pieces finally fall into place for him. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like the self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Whenever they talk about how a voodoo curse only happens because someone believes in it. We've had that Mm -hmm. happen on the show before where they have that kind of philosophical debate. It's kind of the same thing where up until the whole like uh, magical fucking voice just appearing in other people's heads or telepathic communication back and forth. Up until that happens, there's not really anything all that supernatural going on in the film that you couldn't explain to like, you know, having someone go to a different place and, you know, to escape pain, you can train yourself to do that or it's a natural reaction, that kind of thing. It's not until the telepathic voice happens that, you know, yeah. <laughs> boom. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so supernatural. <laughs> all right. So Antonio finally gets himself free after the rats eat through the rope only to have to struggle when the pit opens up, which happens when Torquemada and Don Hector are fighting. He actually gets thrown. The pit of pit and pendulum? Yes. (gasps) First we saw the pendulum. Now we see the pit. Oh man, they went opposite from the movie title. Yeah, it should have been called the pendulum in the pit. Pendulum in the pit, yeah. Uh, (laughs) And then somebody should have said, I'm taking you now. To the pendulum and the pit. Oh, they said it, they said it, they said it. You only set that up just so you can do that stupid freak out every time. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. There's no kind of about it. I've been doing this show with you long enough to realize that's what you do. But I love it when they the name of the movie in the movie. All right, Peter, Peter Griffin, calm down. Yeah. (laughs) 
So yeah, he's dangling there from the last rope on his ankle that he wasn't able to get free from. So he's just kind of hanging out there above all the spikes on the pit. Torquemada sees this and then closes the blades that are interlocking to form the cover of the pit that is the part of the floor. So essentially he's going to cut the rope and make him fall to his death anyway, or at least, you know, have him disposed of and in the pit, whether he survives or not. Antonio ends up flipping around and doing a really amazing inverted sit-up, basically. (laughs) The abs on that dude to be able to pull that off. You can tell he does a lot of core training, probably planks a lot. I'm thinking it's from humping that hot wife of his. Maybe. That's where all of his core strength comes from. Because, you know, it looks like he likes doesn't like to do it on a bed, so it's like a a lot of uneven surfaces, like a bed of flour. Yeah. So he's got to have to balance himself. So yeah, yeah, it probably works out his core that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, so he uses that inverted sit-up thing to pull himself up. He flips himself around. It's pretty amazing, cool little stunt that they do and gets himself just to grab the edge of the pit as the uh, little doorway areas are closing with the blades. He then does one hell of a fucking pull up and gets himself up out of the pit just in time before it closes. I mean, just in the nick of time. Matt and I would have been dead five or six times during this whole we process. Been, listen, during these times, you and I would have been dead three minutes into the movie. We'd have cut dysentery <laughs> or something. I would have mouthed off to these guys. I totally would have. You wouldn't even have time. The plague would have taken us. Our immune system's fucking stuck. <laughs> All right. So we then see Torquemada rings the alarm bell of some sort in here, and then all the guards come marching in. He then launches a big old fire around all of them. This is a really cool little torture yeah. chamber. This is like the most amazing S&M dungeon this guy could have probably ever came up with. Hey, Court, mm-hmm. what are those, those plans over there for? Uh, nothing. I wasn't inspired. Okay. <laughs> That's going to be another episode where we're going to broadcast from there. All right, so Antonio dives behind a pendulum when all the guards take aim and fire, which is is amazing. That was a cool mm-hmm. little stunt because he goes yeah. over top of the blade. Very cool. Very like uh, old school swashbuckler kind of mm. thing. Yeah. And because they're single shot muskets. You. Yeah. Because they're single shot muskets, he gets another chance where he can actually jump up. He basically grabs a hold of one of them, hits the guy in the stomach with the butt of the musket, and then pulls the musket away from him to use that to beat the fuck out of the rest of these guys. He is like the ultimate soldier, man. He wants to pay his debts. This is what he should be doing for a living. He should be a fucking merc. Yeah, mercenary. Maybe he doesn't want to be a murderer anymore. He to make fucking bread. Little does he know his bread has been killing people. Because <laughs> of the plague. The plague. Yeah. Alright, so Antonio then makes it to the tomb after fighting off all of these guys and dashing out through the fire. It's a really cool swashbuckling scene and I can't give it any justice to try and describe all of it. Just know that it kicks ass and you need to it's, see it. It's very fun. Absolutely. He tries to lift the lid from the tomb, which he's not able to do, and then after basically mustering the power of love, which is a glorious thing according to Huey Lewis... He manages to slide the tomb lid off to see his wife, and this leads to our final clip. Don't touch her. She's my wife, Monk, and you can't have her even in death. Then join her. No! Turkamata. No! Please! I didn't mean to kill you. I wanted you! I saw a blasphemer. Hey, you die by your own torture. Leave me alone, bitch. Cut the hands of all the innocent souls you tortured and killed. 
Oh man, this sequence goes nuts. It's off the chain. It's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. The curse comes true, basically. So after that, Torquemada goes stumbling away, once again having his tongue struck from his mouth. He then ends up into the torture chamber where a fire comes up in one of the pit areas where they basically strap people to it and burn them. And we see Francis Bay's character of Happy's grandma, only in the Dark Ages, yeah. crawling on up in burn makeup, which is actually kind of cool. Yeah. Delivering that line. That terrifies him. And then he runs off to his chamber. Then he he sees a woman praying basically at his little station for prayer mm-hmm. whatever the fuck you call that horseshit and uh, he goes up to her to see what's going on and it turns out that it is the strangled woman from the beginning of the film played by Stuart Gordon's wife this then shocks him and his fright knocks over the corpse hourglass which then breaks then the dust hits the ground and starts to reform into the skeletal corpse and that claws at him and holy shit that effect wasn't really cool even yeah. for back in this day and age, it looks like they had some like reverse melting wax and then some dust that moved they in did with some it. Awesome, real awesome work with this movie. That shit cost mm-hmm. some money for yeah. them to take just for that quick scare. I know. That was really fucking cool. And, and that's we, fine by me. Yeah. They spent the money where it counted on yeah. this. Definitely. I, I, this is not fine. I mean, they had some great effect in this movie. Yeah. All right. So he hears the voices of all of his victims as he's fleeing from all of this and is backed into the torture chamber once again where the pendulum is is contained by Maria. He is grabbed by what is left of the half of his main guard guy that's played by Tom Towles, that character that was split in half earlier, which was also an incredible death. We yeah. have to mention mm-hmm. that. And then he falls to his knees on top of the trap door of the pit that Antonio did a wonderful fucking inverted sit up and then did a great pull up to get himself out of. Uh-huh. Still can't get over that because I can't do that for shit. He starts begging for mercy, which is starting starting to ring true sort of like his victims all had to do and he's begging for mercy from all of his victims the pit miraculously opens up and then he falls to his death where he is impaled on all the spikes that was pretty awesome too where it goes Mm -hmm. to his face and everything yeah that was amazing that was really good very cool and it turns out that it was Don Hector's torturer character who did that he had just enough life left in him to be able to open the pit to take out Torquemada but then he stumbles around and falls with a railing death now Maria, in her mercy, despite the fact that he was the main one torturing her for his own benefit, goes to this man to offer him comfort as he lays out all that had happened. Antonio is shocked to know that Maria can use this weird mind voice that she can basically project and telepathically communicate to him. But he accepts it and he's cool with it even though his wife has lost her tongue. So they wander away without the guards even trying to stop them for the most part until they run into all of Torquemada's men and they start freeing all of Torquemada's victims in there. Then the guards finally stand up and Jeffrey Combs steps in, completely redeeming the character that he is, to let them all pass, particularly these two because she was already declared innocent by Torquemada. Thank you, question. And so was she. They pass through the open doors into the daylight. The doors close behind them, fading the film to black essentially, and they roll credits. <laughs> Okay, here's where we can really gush and really, really get into it. I mean, mm-hmm. yep, yep, yep. Oh my gosh, the f- the effects alone in this film yeah, are worth giving it a chance. So well done, and they really hold up. Yeah. Now, Matt, you only had the DVD copy; you didn't even see the Blu-ray print. No, I'm I'm just saying what I saw was really good. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll I will attest that the effects are immaculate, even in the Blu-ray. They still look really, like really said, good. The rat eating scene was yeah. so fucking grimacing. Yeah. I, oh. I think I essentially what they did is they took cotton balls 
Yeah. Then they put some flesh latex on them and then painted them over with some makeup, but then they coated them in something that would make the rats pull at them yeah. and like, you know, want to chew on them. And well, so whatever, I, mean, I think they awesome. hid food behind it or something like that. Must have. And they got the rats to bite at the tips of the fingers and they took the time to make sure that they shot that as an insert shot and really took the time on that. And then the after effect of that, they actually show some of the pieces of the skin that were removed on the fingertips. Yeah. They have that there as well. They did I the mean, same thing on the ankles. Like I said, it was so awesome to see, man. It was yeah. really great. The behind the scenes of that on the video zones, which is one of the things that you absolutely love about Full Moon. And the time that they did this stuff, nobody was doing anything like this, where they gave you a peek behind no, them on how no. the sauce it, was made. Yeah. And that was strictly Charles' band, too. Uh, a Paramount was doing was distributing the Full Moon stuff. They wouldn't pay for the video zone stuff. They pretty much told him, you want to do it, you're paying for the film. And he did. And that's why we got the video zone. And I think some of them ended up being shot on video later on because the budgets would get smaller and smaller and he wanted to include them and then video cameras kept getting better as it went. Sure. And then eventually all their films were then shot on DV and things like that. I mean, as money mm-hmm. started running out. But the first few series of stuff that Full Moon did that Paramount was distributing, a lot of them did end up actually getting theatrical releases and I think this may have been one of them, which is why it has that really hmm. great uh, actual theatrical ratio, you know, or more wider screen that Interesting. we're used to. That's, that's speculation on my part. I have no proof of that, but it feels like this would be the one that they would actually put into theaters. I mean, for fuck's sakes, if the original Puppet Master got a theatrical role, this one should have. <laughs> I love Puppet Master, do not yeah. get me wrong, but I'm just saying, like, this is, they bent the money where they needed to on this film. Yes, they really did. It's very effective. It still gets me fucking down, and by the end of it, you can't wait for Torquemada to die. Yes, exactly. It's been a really long time since I watched this, even though I had bought the copies, or at least really paid this close of attention to it. So every time that I would watch it as a kid, it's like Christopher said, I had no clue who Oliver Reed was, didn't even care about that character or anything of it. Really, you knew Lance Hendrickson as a kid because of Aliens and you're like, holy shit, it's a guy from Aliens and he's playing this weird torturer monk dude. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the hell? Yeah. Um, going, what the fuck, Bishop? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, what the fuck, Bishop? <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? But it's it's just great. Yeah, I have no idea whether it got any theatrical. I, it wouldn't surprise me. Maybe it might have been a limited uh, theatrical release. Uh, it, I wasn't that in on going to the movies, I guess, all that much. I didn't have the money. I was only, what, see, 91. I was 20-something, 21. Disposable income wasn't my thing. Um, It's just, it's one of those films that I remember I watched on VHS was just absolutely taken aback about with the quality. And yeah, the recognizable uh, figures of people like Jeffrey Combs and Lance Henriksen. And then it's it's that movie that sticks with you that it doesn't matter how long you go in between watching this film, you remember this movie. And maybe a few of the scenes you, you, you forget a lot of the, you know, the, the, the talky stuff you forget, but those scenes, those fantastic scenes and the makeup work and the set design that sticks with you. You remember it. And it's just, it's a fantastic example of what they could do back in the day in full moon. Now we kind of had this conversation offline and we haven't actually done it mm-hmm. on the recording, but you're kind of now going to be our go-to full moon guy because you love full moon probably more so than even I do. So I'd like you to actually kind of explain to our audience just how much full moon touched you in this this time frame where you became such a fan show us well, on the doll where it touched you <laughs> <laughs> on the i'll show you on the puppet master uh, 
preferably blade because that that yeah. works for us. <laughs> well, it, it's all thanks to I mean, back in the day, you know, there, there was of course it was Blockbuster, and you go to the video store, and of course you had the new release wall. For those of us the, the younger crowd that maybe didn't know the video store, you all the new releases were on the wall. But Full Moon stuff was always just there was like one or two tapes uh, on the wall, and there was a special section in the back of my Blockbuster where the shelf was red, and these were like the little limited releases, and that's where I'd find Full Moon stuff. And it was just happenstance. It was just kind of, I wasn't looking for a full moon. I didn't know anything about full moon. I just find a title and like, oh, that's good. And then it turned out to be a full moon. And then it hit, you know, I discovered this video zone at the end of the video. And then I started actually looking for the full moon logo on the side of these boxes. And yeah, I became a huge fan. I'm sure there's a bunch of the of their films that I haven't seen, but there's a ton that I have. I mean, I discovered Trancers and Trancers 2 and 3 <laughs> and 4 and 5 and uh, I think there was a six and you know by the time you get to those last films they're awful they're awful movies but I would watch them anyway because it was Tim Thomerson and it was right. Full Moon and it was Charles Band and so Pit and the Pendulum and this is one of those ones where among all the junk that maybe was coming out as well Pit and the Pendulum was like oh well now I know why Trancers 3 wasn't so great because they spent all the money on Pit and the Pendulum or something <laughs> like that um, or they had the same you, amount of money but it got spent better here or something yeah exactly and then of course the Puppet Master films was another one where it's like you just wanted to see the next film. It just got to be kind of exciting when you find out they were going to do another one. Um, I think Subspecies might have been, which you guys covered real early on. Yeah, I think was probably yeah. the uh, the first full moon film that I can think of that I was probably the one that really pulled me in. And then uh, and and then Trancers. Although Trancers I think was the Empire Pictures, but it like was later released under Full Moon. So Trancers Two was probably the first you know uh, Trancers Full Moon. And yeah, I, I just got stuck and I. I, you know, I was a member of the fan club. I, I ordered the T-shirt, the hat, and the coffee mug. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> which I, which I still have every one of you know each one of them. I may or may and not have photographic evidence of that that you sent me. You do indeed <laughs> have photo. I'm proud of it. I am absolutely <laughs> proud. Whenever people, anytime I'm online and I start talking about Full Moon, I'll I'll go and like if I don't have the selfie handy, I'll recreate it and, and <laughs> like just to prove it. Like, look, this is how much of a fan I was of these guys. Yeah, they're just an amazing group of people that just did uh, what I think is amazing work, you know, where they didn't have the money, they were able to kind of cover it up by just being inventive. And it's, they're kind of like the best examples of independent film. And that's why I love independent film now is because you don't have the budget. So you get creative, you get inventive, you reuse. And that's, that's just what I loved about Full Moon. I mean, it, I would watch movies and I would spot things, you know, props or, or sets from yep. one film to another. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, I recognize that. That's the time machine that was in this movie and now they're using it in this other film and I just, I, I thought it was great. I, I just love the way they did it. I completely agree with everything that you said. I know for sure my very first Full Moon movie that I recall knowing that what it was that I was watching basically was Subspecies 2. Now I, mm -hmm. had, I had kind of seen bits of Puppet Master as a younger kid without really kind of realizing it, but I saw Subspecies 2 first. I immediately went out and rented subspecies because I just happened to catch it on cable and uh, fucking Radu's mother in that I was watching it <laughs> I was watching it with my dad it was just me and him one weekend just kind of chilling and watching this movie and I'm I'm having a blast I am loving the hell out of this as a kid mm -hmm. and my dad's like what the hell is this shit why are we watching this court <laughs> I'm like no dad don't change it I want to know what happens next he's like people die can we just watch something oh, else damn come on dad no <laughs> you know 
and he's just making fun of it and I'm having a blast. I'm like, I know it's cheesy, dad. Just let me watch it. You know, the subspecies films are definitely an easy one to get you pulled in. And it's subspecies too. I I mean, I'd be hard pressed. It, 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 it would be hard for me to try to choose between one and two as being the better subspecies. I like to watch them together as if they're flowing into each other. And when we did cover them back way, way back when, this is when we actually did two films at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we paired them up to where it would be Puppet Master 1, Subspecies 1, Puppet Master 2, Subspecies 2, uh, Puppet Master 3, then Subspecies 3. And I think we stopped there, didn't we, Matt? Because the Puppet Masters go way downhill yes. after 3. Yeah, we yeah. stopped at 3. We yeah. were like, we, we've done enough. Yeah, and then we right. also stopped at 3 because Subspecies 4, you needed to see vampire journals to understand what the hell was yeah. going on as well. Yeah, that was and barely also, a Subspecies kept, film. Yeah. If you kept trying to do that impression, you were going to die. <laughs> there, There is that, too. Yeah. And I know you're trying to get me to do it again. I, I so want to. <laughs> subspecies, subspecies one and two are meant to be watched together themselves. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it is a continuing story from one to another, and you just have to ignore the fact that the main actress changes. Just, just roll with it. If, if I may, I will submit to you all, gentle listeners, that they upgrade the actress to Denise Duff. Yes, she is yes. so gorgeous. I, she is fantastic. She, yeah. she is what makes two and three. Yes. I mean, honestly, by the time you get to three, you could argue that it wouldn't be watchable if not for her. I think that's almost our words exactly whenever we covered that. Yeah. The thing that I did like is there's more movement of Radu using his shadow in three than you see in all the other ones like when he's flying and things. They use the shadow to cover that and they'll put him up on like a crane or something and then they Mm -hmm. light him from behind which is really cool stuff and you actually see where his shadow does some more vampiric things and all of that which is really cool but the rest of the film is kind of a little hokey and they didn't do as good a job on. But Denise Duff's in there so you know. It's right. Well and I think the subspecies, I mean, we're, we should be talking about Pit and the Pendulum, but... The, <laughs> no, this is full moon time. Film, we can talk all yeah. full moon all the time. <laughs> Excellent. The subspecies film, I think, is also a really great example of these aren't just horror films, or these aren't just science fiction films that Full Moon was putting out. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of character development. There's a story with the subspecies. There's a story here with Pit and the Pendulum. And it, they kind of climb above, you know, what everything else was, or were certainly what where everything will eventually go. I mean, it's only another decade from now when the horror films are blood, guts, doesn't matter, come up with some corny reason why these kids should be somewhere and then start killing them. I mean, that's that's essentially the plot of every horror film from like 2000 on. <laughs> these films through the 90s, it wasn't that. Look at the subspecies with you know Radu, who's trying to come to terms with what he is because now he has this, he actually feels this uh, emotion, this love for for this to this woman that he wants to bring in, and so he's torn between turning her and and keeping her as the you know the this this light that's now in his life. Pet and the Pendulum is the same sort of way where Torquemada is this. He thinks he's doing the right thing, he's doing this evil job, but then suddenly this woman shows up, and he completely just it it shatters his world, and we watch his world fall apart because of what this woman represents to him, and that's just I mean it's what makes these films so enjoyable and why they I think they kind of stand the test of time I would agree that story has kind of gone the wayside I think more for the low budget kind of horror films that are being put out and I think well, okay I, I, I should I yeah I should qualify the lot yeah. a little bit because the same I still level consider like the a full moon is doing right. now what they're I still what, consider full moon like independent film right even though they had a big distributor they had paramount kind of backing them and distributing them full moon were independent filmmakers and that's that's kind of the same ballpark that I that I, I put it in with. Whenever 
they lost the deal with Paramount and the budgets kept getting smaller and smaller, that's when the Full Moon movie started getting more the way of what we're seeing now, like a ginger dead man and the Killjoy series, which can yeah. be enjoyable to watch on a kind of level where you know what you're getting into. And I, mm-hmm. I don't mean to disparage anybody who actually enjoys those films. They're just not for me. They don't really click with me as well. Like Evil Bong and that kind of thing. It just doesn't yeah, work right. for me. I think what ends up happening is the love of the filmmaking craft for a lot of the people that are attracted to making the current crop of the really low budget independent films sort of like especially in Full Moon's era now you're seeing people that think that this is a stepping stone to go on to make something else they're not making a film for the love of the particular genre that they're working in whereas Mm -hmm. a lot of the people that were attracted to Full Moon even in the later 90s and the earlier part of the 2000 era of Full Moon were still there for the love of making that type of movie and Mm -hmm. while it may have been a stepping stone if they went on and left and got you know bigger gigs somewhere else they still continued to make that exact same type of film and a lot of people that make horror particularly in the 2000 eras when this really started happening you read it in Fangoria constantly and there was nothing that pissed me off more where they're like oh yeah well this is my stepping stone to move on to other films that you know right right or in some of them would even be so brazen to say better films and it was immediately Posers. like yeah it's immediately like yeah. not gonna go see your film then because clearly you don't care about the genre fuck off you know yeah, you definitely got the impression that while certainly there is plenty of skill amongst the crew and the cast of all these films and many of them may have gone on to do bigger and better things you don't get the impression in interviews or in the quality of their work that that is their only goal yeah they're not slumming it in these films they are grateful to have the job to do the thing that they want to do which is this craft and they're going to do their best regardless of what is happening around them they're going to do their best that they can Mm -hmm. absolutely And, and then yes certainly a lot of the full moon they do get silly but I think they kind of do it intentionally. I, when they get to things like Doll Man and Doll Man versus Demonic Toy, yes, it's all done in tongue-in-cheek and it's corny and it's silly, but it, you're not going to see anybody half-ass it. You know, the, it's just, okay, yes, yes, we're making, you know, a story about a cop that's six inches tall. <laughs> you know, but roll with it and go with it. We're having fun. You know, the same amount of effort is going into this that went into all these other films. And it's, it's just a amazing. That's why I loved Full Moon is that regardless of whether you're watching something that's strictly corny or was strictly kind of serious, you know, it consistent quality. Unfortunately, it has waned a little bit (laughs) nowadays with some of the movies that they're releasing. There's a certain demarcation point in the later 2000, like 2006, 2007, where all the money dried up and it all went digital. About retro Puppet Master era, Full Moon is when it really starts going downhill for me and I can't do it. Yeah, I had probably left the the full moon camp uh by that point i mean i am and i and a lot of things that are what i say i'm saying with you know in kind of my uh the, the, my rose-colored uh, memory of the films <laughs> right. and I, I and the many of them i haven't seen since i i rented them from that blockbuster on that vhs so i don't know i may, i may watch them today and go yeah all that stuff i just said on cinema psyops yeah i that, i don't mean that anymore but <laughs> but, but but right now right it, as it stands i I would gladly watch any one of those films and go into it just with that sort of almost childish anticipation that, oh boy, I can't wait to watch. This is why you're going to be our full moon guy, because we were looking for <laughs> someone that could appreciate it on that level of loving it for the nostalgia, but accepting it for what it may be now and how you see yeah, it. And I yeah, think that's going to be an interesting dynamic to dis- 
discuss. I would submit to our gentle listeners out there and to you yourself here, Mr. Page. There's nothing gentle about them. Yes, they are very mm-hmm. gentle. Are they? Comparing to what they could do to us, they're extremely gentle. <laughs> and to also to Mr. Page, I would like to submit that, in fact, Pit and the Pendulum holds up to my warm and fuzzies and the nostalgia and actually absolutely. surpasses my estimation of how I remembered it as a kid. It's a oh, much deeper film than I remember it being. So Yes, no, absolutely. This is, I mean, I guess it, this film is a hell of a lot more grown up than a lot of the full moon films. <laughs> That's a good way to phrase it. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is one of those films that, you know, it was released on VHS. And when it comes to the DVDs, no effort is probably made to do anything other than put it on the DVD. You're not going to get much more out of it than what you had on that VHS. There is, however, a Blu-ray that Full Moon put out that I actually own and is excellent. And they did remaster it a little bit and cleaned it up. Or did they? Least, oh, awesome. Yeah. And it's really not that expensive, or at least it wasn't at the time that I picked it up. And it is a Full Moon release. It's not Full Moon sending it off to Echo Bridge Entertainment. That's the thing you got to watch out for with Bull Moon. If it's an Echo Bridge Entertainment or one of those other type of companies like a Mill Creek or something like that that's releasing mm-hmm. Full Moon stuff, they're getting the VHS master of that, which would be like a quarter inch VHS tape from right. back in the day. And that's what they're releasing. But if you go directly to Full Moon and you pay a little bit more and get a Blu-ray, usually, not all the time, but usually it's a better print and it's better quality. The only exception to the rule is Taurus Trap. You got to go back to the old school DVD on mm-hmm. that one because it's incomplete on the Blu-ray. They don't have have all the stuff. There's some things missing for whatever reason. I don't want to get into it. I already discussed it on the air. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let, let me ask you one question before, you know, and, and then we can back, you know, out of this rabbit hole as well. Uh, the Blu-ray, is the film widescreen or is it the, the full screen? It is 16 by 9 frame. It fills okay. a 16 by 9 frame. Now, if it was shot to be full screen and then they masked it and then just kind of moved the pieces around there, I can't attest to that. I don't know. Okay. I'm just curious. That's another yeah. thing because when the film was done, you know, this was never going to see theatrical releases. So I don't know how many of these were actually done in a 16 by nine, you know, widescreen type format and whether it was just shot to be put on the full screen VHS. Cause that's all anybody had. So I, that's what I was curious. I was a little, I'm always a little taken aback when I throw the DVD in and it's like, Oh, it's a square. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the Blu-ray of this actually is a full widescreen, just like, just like the DVD. I think there's a DVD that was released. I think it was, Echo Bridge Entertainment that put that DVD out ages ago and it's still the DVD's decent but it's not that high mm-hmm. in quality but the Blu-ray is a significant step up and if you enjoy the film it's worth an upgrade for it yeah absolutely I think I may look into that just for even if it is sort of like fake full screen or not full screen but widescreen I think I'd be worth it so we're going to take another break here we'll have one more of Christopher's amazing shows promos we'll have a little bit of music that uses that clip of Liar Blasphemer and when we come back we will do the PSYOP news we let things pile up in the DVR, we add them to our queues, we wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays, we time shift the Time Shifters podcast, sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com.
was. It was real subtle, but you yeah. heard the liar. I heard it. Blasphemer. Stomp 69 from ministry. Uh. You know what? I would like to have some lies and blasphemy in, Matt. What's ahead? Give me some psyop news. So We're just going to go with Cody. Cody. This is from Cody. <laughs> Cody did us a solid on this one. This is from the mirror. Brother and sister arrested after having sex three times near church after watching the notebook. Vagina smells like dead body. Is what he proclaimed. <laughs> we got some incest and I've heard that's best. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Christopher Buckner, 20, and her uh, brother, Timothy Savoy, 25, have been arrested after cops say they admitted to having sex in a tractor trailer. You can't pay a bail? Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. Well, they were arrested. Is that why? Uh, a brother and sister have been accused of having sex with each other three times while parked outside a church after watching the romantic movie The Notebook. <laughs> and there's a lot of weighing around. In The Notebook? Yeah, probably. I've never seen it. So I don't know. know. Me yeah, yeah, no, me either. I'm not going to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, if it's going to make you bang your sister, stay away from it. Yeah. Clip. Anyway, Christopher. Uh, uh, we have a name. Well, all yeah, right. Whatever. No, no, no relation. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it says Christopher. Christopher Page in here, Christopher. What the hell, dude? <laughs> no relation. Well, that doesn't stop anybody. <laughs> nice. Christopher Butner, 20, and her brother, Tiffany Savoy, 25, have been arrested after cops found the pair in the early hours of the morning outside the court countryside Baptist Church in Georgia. Oh, I actually have some audio of what she was saying mid-act. Yeah, what's that? Coming to me! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> what are you thinking the middle of the one half mark there? Or? I've had seven dicks inside of me. Well, I don't think she was telling him that. I'm that's taking another remote. dick. That's, I don't think she's telling him that Coming either. Coming to me. Yeah, that, she's blood. probably telling him. Covered in cum blood. Uh, I don't know about that. That's, <laughs> that's personal. I'm not volunteering for the blood cum. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she was volunteering for it. <laughs> Afraid of vaginas? I am after this story. <laughs> Police said they were investigating reports of a prowler at 4.30 a.m. when that they found they the pair walking party. near the church. Pops said the brother toddler. and sister later admitted to having sex inside a tractor trailer after watching the film on Tuesday morning. Gotta love a girl who can take the a punch. The Savannah Morning News reported. <laughs> I love how you're just like not even gonna acknowledge no, any no, of this. No, just no, powering just through. power through this. This horse born. sex is a thing. Well, it is a thing. Thank you, David. Yes, thank you, David. Thank you. It's a thing. Thank yes. you. Oh, thank you, David. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the pair were both charged with incest Aggravated sodomy and prowling. Aggravated sodomy? Aggravated sodomy? <laughs> Not even normal sodomy. Aggravated, Aggravated sodomy. <laughs> it's like, I really fucking hate when you make me do this. Oh, I'm, I'm so aggravated. <laughs> I make money from my sex work. We know, Matt. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, have you been convicted of aggravated sodomy? <laughs> nope, not yet. Clip. <laughs> I'm advocating corpse fucking here. We, we know, know court. We know we court. court. We know. The loving three-way with a corpse? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, this is a theme with you. Well, there's that, and uh, and I'm going to fuck it to death. Yeah, well, we know. <laughs> is it already dead, though? <laughs> 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 oh. I made the full moon you fan groan in pain. <laughs> we finally found Christopher's line. <laughs> <laughs> we found his kryptonite. Yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, Jesus. 
Jesus. Uh, the Notebook is <laughs> oh God, it goes in, poor Notebook, man. The Notebook is a 2004 American romantic drama film based on the novel by Nicholas Sparks. Oh, tears are good lube, the which is why people like that kind the, of stuff. The film stars Roy Gosling and Rachel McAdams as a young couple who fall in love during the early 1940s. And there's a lot of weighing around. Rick is convinced that that book has a lot of weighing. I guess. <laughs> Jesus. It's the erection that counts. Thanks, Bo. Uh, mm-hmm. So there we go. I hate a toddler. <laughs> we know. We know. We know. We know. God, what is with him and toddlers? I don't know. He hates uh, them, apparently. I guess. <laughs> the birdie passion. So they were caught having sex, and that's yeah. why they got the charge of the aggravated yes. well, they, sex. No, it's like cops found him walking, and they just fully just stopped cops around the road and told them that they were boning. Shoot some fucking ropes. That's the part about this story that I find most interesting. It's not that they were caught. It's that they were caught and then admitted that, oh, yeah, this is like the third time we've done well, this. And from the sound of the story is that the, the cops were driving. They saw him walking. They go, well, what are you guys doing walking out around here? It's four in the morning. And then those two just admitted to having incest. That or they just had a big <laughs> cocky mouth part. Well, maybe. <laughs> but, I mean, you should admit it unless the cops are catching you red-handed. Circle jerk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so this whole entire story, Matt, how would you sum it up? This is like traces of death fucked a porno. Kinda, yeah, exactly. <laughs> kinda, yeah. Yeah, kinda. You want to do a little ass play? Wait till we're after no. aggravated <laughs> ass play. <laughs> clip, clip. <laughs> <laughs> Drop the humongous ball. I think it's time. Yeah, I think it's time. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and take one final break here. We're going to have one more promo. We'll have a little bit of music, and we will close out this madcap fucking show. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movie. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to the discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio.
little music from King Diamond's The Eye, yeah. which is the titular yeah. song that's opening it up here. Uh, yeah. That is not the kind of music I need to be listening to this late at night. <laughs> Don't worry. Satan's not coming for you, Christopher. Uh, <laughs> Christopher's going to go walking around by a church at four in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, that's what Christopher's do. I will recommend <laughs> listening to The Eye as a companion piece to this film. It's an excellent album by King Diamond, and it actually fits with a lot of things that's going on. It also, parts of it take place in 1642, and it tells the tale of the curse of a witch who was burned at the stake, and then how it travels through time and affects all of these different people. It's very cool. Nice. Of course, I'm a, I'm a King Diamond fan, so I'm going to be a little fanboy I've about it. I've never heard of Yes, you have. I've played this stuff before, and I've talked about them on the show. You just forget everything. Yes. The smack brain. Yeah. <laughs> Since Matt has probably forgotten already, Christopher, let everyone know just where they can find both of your podcasts currently. Who are we talking to? Christopher. Come on, oh, yeah. man. Sorry. Come on. The sister. No, never mind. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, easy. Just go to uh, orphanentertainment.com and then uh, join us over at uh, timeshifterspodcast.com. Uh, make sure you throw the podcast in on, on, on Time Shifters there. And then we are on Facebook. We've got a couple of group pages that you can join. We've had some uh, really great uh, discussions going on over on Time Shifters. Uh, Orphan Entertainment's uh, seen a, somehow or another, we got to be a recommended group on some other groups. And so we've had a real rash of uh, new members. So that's pretty awesome. And uh, actually, Speaking of uh, the Facebook and, and the group and everything, and you were just talking about some music, if I can just go ahead and plug something else. It's not for me, but it's just, I think it's, it's really cool. By the time this episode airs, if you go back and listen to the current episode of Time Shifters, we play a song at the end of that episode, and that song is done by a punk rock band out of Prague called Time Shifters. Interesting. They, yes, they have a Facebook page, so if you just search for Time Shifters, a page will take you to the band, and the group will take it to take it to our podcast but anyway i got in contact with them and got permission to play one of their songs one of the only songs that they have so far that i can actually play <laughs> on a uh, on a uh, kind of a uh, family-friendly podcast <laughs> but uh so yeah uh, check these guys out i think they sound awesome if you're into the punk uh, punk rock scene i think they're they're fantastic i love it uh they should be having an album coming out sometime in may or early june so uh i just i don't know i just kind of want to just spread their love a little bit well look at that man he's using his airtime to promote someone else how selfless of a human I, being can get listen i believe he might be the best out of all of us i think he may be the best out of all of us podcasters <laughs> like he's way too nice i know for what the hell is he doing hanging out with a couple of filthy fucks like us he shouldn't yeah <laughs> i fucking feel really fucking bad sometimes yeah. and then that makes me fucking mad at him like what the <laughs> fuck man why are you making me feel like this i hate feeling feelings fuck! christopher in all seriousness, no, Christopher is one of, if not the first podcaster that reached out to us. And he did actually, our, he was the first guest. Yeah, he was yeah. also the first to give us some feedback. He did mm -hmm. a segment with us, one of our first yeah. comedy sketches where we had a guest on that as well. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, he popped our cherries a lot. Yeah, yeah. He, Ooh, we go wow, way back. Wow. And, and yeah. thank you for that. At least it wasn't the black cherry. No. <laughs> yeah, no, no. No, but we were still at a church parking lot. Yeah, that, yeah. that's how it yeah. works. Yeah. And somehow we're all related. <laughs> tractor trailer. Yeah. <laughs> After one. Watching the notebook. So if you're tired of family-friendly podcasts like our friend Christopher here does, you know where to find us. We're yeah. legionpodcast.com yes. forward slash cinema dash psyops. Down with the rest of the trolls. Get down with the sickness in a safe place for perverts. Mm -hmm.
Facebook group. You can find us, Cinema PsyOps. I am Court PsyOps on Facebook. Matt is Matt PsyOps. You can email feedback to Matt and let him know that it is, in fact, the Catholic Church that did the bulk of the torturing in the Inquisition. Yes, I know. Yeah. PsyOpMatt at gmail.com. You can email feedback to Court and try and explain to him how not all priests are out just to rape everyone. Cinema PsyOps Court at gmail.com. <laughs> no, I wouldn't even bother. You won't believe you. I don't think either of us could be convinced of the, out of that position that we're both in. <laughs> Although we can be convinced into a lot of other ones. Huh? Uh, uh, you can uh, twit a couple uh, of especially tweets. Especially if we're going to make some bread. Yeah, you can twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats of the positions you'd like us to get into. Yeah, maybe on some flower or something. Yeah, we're flexible. Yeah, or at least well, we used to be. Well, I mean, I think I threw out my back city down to this chair, but whatever. <laughs> I'm at court underscore psyop and Matt is at psyop Matt. Once again, folks, thank you so much for being there for us because we will be there for you every week. We're here to hold you. Kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. ready to go. Matt, talk so he can hear you. Hello. Is Matt too Hello, Matt. No, Matt's fine. In fact, Matt's, I, I can hear Matt a little bit better than you. Oh, really? <laughs> well, that's not a surprise, really, if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably coming through both our mics when he talks. Actually, it sounds like I'm just right next to him in the room he's in right now. It's literally what's happening right now. It's like you're right, right next to me. <laughs> if, I, if I fade out, it's just because I'm looking over my shoulder trying to, you know. <laughs> Chris is like, is he in the fucking room? I am. His voice is so loud, he's coming through on your mic. (laughs) By the way, I like your haircut from the back. (laughs) Whoever does it is very attentive of the back. They're very attentive of your backside, if you will. If you start feeling heavy breathing on the back of your ear, run, Christopher, run. (laughs) Or stay, if If you're into it. If you feel it, that means it's too late. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be better if somebody just put that in a pipe and smoked that shit corpse dust hourglass. That's awesome. And the only way you could put it in a pipe and smoke it and get anything out of it is like somebody from the Rolling Stones, preferably Keith Richards. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely would have had to roll that shit for you and show you how to do it. Wait for Willie Nelson to be cremated. <laughs> and just hover over the ashes. <laughs> just breathe deeply and hope for the best. I am so fucked up. <laughs> Motherfucker, you're fucking on top of the flower. Now you're worried about the bread? That's how it gets I'm, the yeast I'm, into the dough. Oh. I, 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 yeah. I, I, my first thought is I'm looking, I was like, and you want a yeast infection? I'm thinking this is how you get a yeast infection. <laughs> I mean, she's awfully thin, so he clearly doesn't have to roll her in flour to find the what. Oh. <laughs> oh. The sexism is killing me inside. Oh, oh God, that was so horrible. I just wanted to make the Go flower on. joke. Go on. <laughs> Inquisition. What a show. The Inquisition. Come on. No? Everybody, the Inquisition. Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, no Mel Brooks yet so far. Come on, auto de fe. What's an auto de fe? It's what you oughtn't to do, but you do anyway. Come on. <laughs> Is that history of the world? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's been so goddamn long <laughs> since I've seen that. Shamefully so. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Actually, it's been yeah. way too long. Oh, okay. Way too I've fucking been long. Seriously disappointed that that hasn't come up yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're very, very sorry, but that's not the Mel Brooks that him and I go to very often. No, no. <laughs> it's like Young Frankenstein for me, and probably Spaceballs for Matt. Spaceballs and a little bit of uh, Blazing Saddles. Yeah, I would. I would okay, Blazing Saddles. I would totally yeah. see because like, you love racism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where are all the white women at? <laughs> uh, lining up outside my bedroom. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Oh. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with I don't you today, know, man? Yeah. That was fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. He's probably more concerned with getting his yeast supply back to which also leads to the baking of the bread. He might be a little worried yeah. his bread's no longer rising, if you know what uh -huh. I mean. Yeah. yeah. Lord knows if you lose Maria, your bread definitely will not rise. No. Witchy woman. So do we have any more euphemisms then, we can start making here? Or? I, I well, he'd, have to, he'd have to convert to Judaism because then it'd be unleavened. So. <laughs> All I'm saying here is the level of sexism in this episode is yeah. making me a little uncomfortable. Really? You started it. I know. No, it's my fault. I, I know. I, I, I feel guilty now. Yeah. I'm going to have to go get It's flogged. weird, but it's making Christopher very comfortable. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm yeah. getting a little uncomfortable by Christopher's <laughs> comfort. Oh, I don't know. I think a certain witch might be able to cast you a high-definition copy of that at some point. Blasphemer! <laughs> Liar! <laughs> Blasphemer! the taint beat a corpse all night and satan's cock don't rip your dick off with a whip this is your kink drowning an old woman yeah if it's gonna make you bang your sister stay away from it <laughs>